0: Is it good? It's so good.
1: podcasting one of the many
0: frontiers these are the episodes of a journey through time and stuff it's continuing mission to explore strange new people to seek out new stories and new passions to boldly go where many many others have gone before Welcome, everybody, to another episode of A Journey Through Time and Stuff. My name is Aaron. Today, you can call me old Aaron Scotch-in-his-face, because I am drinking Scotch. Scotch, 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 right in my belly. Yum, yum, yum. Um, today is going to be a fun, fun episode. I don't get to do uh, episodes like this often at all. Uh, this is going to be a little... Uh, not a little. Let me, let me rephrase. This is going to get real nerdy, and... uh, This is a slightly selfish venture in this one because I'm speaking to someone today who I've known, well, I mean, a really long time. Uh, I can't remember not knowing him. Um, And it was someone who I was terrified of as a young child. I grew less terrified and more intrigued the older I got. And uh, pretty soon just became jealous of the the man childish nature that he exudes in most of his everyday life. Um, as far as I know, and as long as we've, I've, I've known him as long as we've known each other, um, our, there isn't, there isn't a lot of actual personal information, life stuff that we've gotten to know each other with. It's really been kind of a peripheral interest driven, uh, a uh, relationship, not a a kind of personal one. So this is going to be fun for me to get to dive into his brain, get to know him better. Uh, hopefully share some of my personal self more than maybe he knows. And uh, we're gonna get real fucking nerdy, folks. So I would like to welcome my cousin, Mister Matt Conrad.
2: Welcome, buddy. Thank you,
3: Aaron. Thanks for the intro- that was actually quite a wonderful introduction. Um. So I've already learned one thing about you, and that thing is that you were terrified of me. Yeah. Um yeah. You're about you're, uh, two years younger than me, two and a half years. Is that which all? means, no, yeah, three years?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm an 86 kid, so.
3: Okay. So you're four and and a half yeah, years. Yeah. So, um, So, you know, the fact that I would have been like maybe 10 when you first met me as maybe a four-year-old. I, I guess maybe that could make sense. I mean, I was pretty well, well, it was not a very formidable, uh, fourth grader, but uh, correct,
0: correct. And then it moved into, um, there was re- the real big distinction was I came back and I think you were a freshman in high school and right. I would have been in like fourth or fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, fifth grade. Yeah. that age gap is huge mm-hmm. for like, I mean, all of middle school has already been blown by. I'm just a measly elementary school looking at this person who's in high school. You had your own room like, Mm -hmm. and, and you were scary. You were, I'm not going to lie. I
3: appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that if, if, you know, meeting someone for maybe the second, possibly third time. Yeah. Um, and then, and then having that sort of like, Oh my God, he's in high school. Uh, he does grown-up kid things. I mean, it's not like I was driving. It's not like I had a job, but you know, when you're uh, when you're 15 compared to someone who's like 11, that's a that's a big deal. So
1: it is. It yeah, is.
3: I, I appreciate now kind of what you're getting at. And then, of course, the rest of the stuff resonates with me, too, because you're you're describing a relationship that is based on, um, you know, what 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 little we've explored in common. Correct. Um, surrounding uh, music, uh, music. Um, and then on occasion, uh, we we had a couple Star Wars conversations. One of the times that your brother came into town, I remember yeah. that. Um, I don't. Do we catch a game together? I'm trying to remember. No, we no, just... no.
0: I think we just had a, a nice uh, dinner together and a, a mm-hmm. round of conversation, topical conversation at the fine establishment of Red Robin.
3: Oh yes, and, and I, I think I connect that with watching a game because that's the.
1: Yeah, the Red area.
3: Rose, Rose Quarter, Red Robin. So correct. Whatever brought us out there was was obviously important. I mean, I probably I passed at least two or three Red Robins on my way there. So yeah, and it would have been it would probably would have been a
0: halfway split between you and me up here in North Portland. So yeah, that makes sense. That so, makes
3: sense. Um,
0: well, so a, a couple questions first. Um, how annoying were was I and my little brother at the time? Like, can I can I kind of delve into your view yeah. for a second as like a 15 year old having to go. Oh, I have to go deal with my 10 and or eight year old cousins. Uh, you know, I remember a distinct thing at the golf course in Quincy. We were, you know, there was some family get together that we came down for and I know we were playing at the pool there at grandma and grandpa's place. And
3: Oh yeah. The pool for sure. Uh,
0: I know we had a couple and I think maybe you were a junior then. I know we had few more. It might have been
3: the last time I ever went to Quincy, if that's the case. So it, yeah. yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Uh, so what was my impression? Um,
0: what was it like well, just having to deal? Because I've never had it
3: really yeah, that experience. Okay. Well, growing up with younger cousin, younger sister, um, and being, you know, kind of in that mode where like her friends were over a lot, um, and with my cousin, uh, my 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 mom's nephew yeah you know he's younger and and then i was kind of the middle cousin as well because i had an older cousin so i was like split the middle and so i i was very much used to hanging around people who were um younger than myself gotcha and 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 i've never really had negative family experience um with my aunts uncles cousins whatever um so i don't i don't expect that that was anything that was a big deal for me i i think that you know my parents were of the of the nature to make sure that like, yeah, you're you're gonna have to get along with your cousin, but they probably wouldn't have necessarily needed to tell me that. I think that maybe you just Yeah they told me that because they, they felt like they had to, but no, I I, I generally get along with everyone. I, I've been described as a giant teddy bear. I, um, I can see that. I don't I don't hate that description. I'm not I'm not trying to be tough or anything like that. Um it's just not the the you know, it's not the person you describe as the, you know, intimidating freshman in middle school. I and mean, I probably weighed like 80 pounds dripping away.
0: Sure. Sure.
3: You know, I, I don't know if I still had braces that year. I might, I got them off at some point. Um, and of course, like, you know, my face was guaranteed to be broken out. Cause you know, you're a freshman <laughs> and I played sports and, yeah. and at no point did I ever shower, um, figure out hygiene <laughs> the way that I'm sure my parents would have preferred. So yeah. So there you had it. Yeah. Um, I, we, you know, and now we have a lot in common in terms of like, we like basketball, we played a game together once that was great good times <sighs> yeah um, and uh yeah i mean it's... we 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 talked smack about the trailblazers and
0: Correct. uh i you know it's it's funny to now you know see you know uh the the age disparity now in both in our 30s and uh you know mid to late 30s um you know there's not that huge age gap so it's fun yep. kind of seeing you know a lot of parallels in common you know we're both have been disgusted uh slash, um frustrated with the last kind of 4 5 6 years sure. politically uh socio socioeconomically all of those uh big button topics right now you know we're i mean looks
3: like i, I think we're pretty aligned in a lot of things yeah yeah um, you're I, you're probably a little bit more libertarian than i am and that's totally fine oh i
0: don't think i am
3: Oh, you don't think you are? Okay. Well, may- All right.
0: maybe a little bit, but I don't. I don't like the the broad brush sw- swipe of just mm-hmm. the the term libertarian because when someone mm-hmm. says that, I actually don't know what they mean. If we want to discuss actual topics and what I think mm-hmm. on those,
3: yeah, I, I can go. Topical. You might find that a, a libertarian who bleeds libertarian color, whatever the color that is, um, <sighs> you know, would probably find some of your opinions in alignment with with them sure um and and then we probably say well wait I, I, I that that's crazy i don't believe that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't think that's too different than anyone on the political
0: no. spectrum no not at all not at all
3: um i'm a pretty you know <laughs> pretty staunchly liberal
1: yeah and, yeah uh, same
3: but you know then i'd run into like a you know issues from time to time That i'm like you know i i support this or i don't support that and then i i have liberal friends who reach out to me and be like can you tell me why you believe this or you can tell me why you believe that. So it's, it's nice to sort of be relied on sometimes when there's a a hot button topic that seems to be being pushed through by our wonderful state legislature. um, Um, That pushes a lot of agenda items that maybe haven't really, been well thought out I, I'm not a big fan of our democratic governor me, yeah um, yeah me but either. I certainly would never uh, vote a Republican governor in.
0: correct and you know I mean even watching uh, this I guess you could call it quote-unquote trial that's been happening over mm. the last four or five days um, you know is pretty I, I've been pretty disheartened by both sides of uh, the just the kind of gutlessness that has been shown on uh, in our government right now is is very frustrating
3: well, I guess I'm proud that my two senators are frequently on TV, are frequently talking about the corruption by the previous yeah. administration, and are frequently talking about why it's unconscionable um, to allow things like that to either happen or to go unchecked. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, it's one of those things. is like you can only do what you can do, right? Like I, you know, I'd like to think that I helped those gentlemen get reelected. Um, Correct. I'd like to think I, you know, contributed in a way that that flipped the Senate. But same. at the same time, like I'm not yet enamored with anything that's happened. So, but <laughs> it's February 13th, right? Time will tell.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I was, I was just, it, I wanted to see uh, a, a reasonable amount of discourse d- op- discussed during this trial. Sure. I yeah. wanted, I wanted something of what I guess a majority of people in general would, uh, consider evidence Mm -hmm. um uh i I will
3: sir and that's what i've learned the last time is that you know we actually don't get to watch a trial i mean they always say like oh you're gonna have a trial in the senate but no it's it's basically a a, an open session hearing yeah yeah. um and i mean just and and we know this because what day before yesterday you had jurists slash senators meeting with um the attorneys for the plaintiff Right. If you want to consider that a, a situation and, at dinner. And, 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 and I'm not going to say that that's ethical or unethical. It's allowable. Right. And so you're not necessarily yeah. talking about a trial. No. Um The presiding president. I mean. It, I'm sure he did a fantastic job, but he is in no way, shape or form like presiding over any sort of legal issues. Of course not. Um Just making sure that they follow the rules. And what is the rules of a real trial? I mean, you know, there's. There's witnesses, there's cross-examination, there are subpoenas, and you have to show up. Um, and at no point was that really ever on the table. And, and I think that when you when you wield that as a sword, like, oh, well, I'll just subpoena X, Y, and Z and make him come and like sit for questioning. And the other side says, well, if you do that, it's just going to take a long time and, and it's not going to amount to anything. I mean, you, you would never hear that in a courtroom in America.
0: No, no. You okay. would
3: hear, oh, okay, well, let's depose that witness first, please, Yeah. so we know what they're going to say, so we can um develop a cross. It, Trials in the United States are, are quite efficient. Um,
0: I mean, yeah, imagine that, imagine be- that tactic yeah. being pulled for like a hit and run case or something like that.
3: Yeah. Oh, no, you're not going to call the officer as a witness because, uh, well, we already know what he's going to say, yeah. and uh, we don't believe it. That you have the jurisdiction to try this case anyway, so correct. But could you imagine the jury—six people standing up and saying that—that's essentially what we were dealing with. And I mean, I think the the greatest benefit in 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 trying that clown um, in the Senate, if we want to call it a trial, is because you got to hear firsthand and on on eighty five percent of the news stations, Mm -hmm. um, you know what was really happening leading up to uh, um, January sixth, and and. And in the in the weeks before that, and even in the weeks after November, so if if you were a moderate, I mean, you, you kind of already know where you stand. You may be fiercely anti Democrat, but you may also not support anything um, that comes out of that man's mouth. If if you had not made up your mind how you feel about
0: or him. or you know uh, Lindsey Graham's or Mitch McConnell's or mm-hmm. uh, anybody, because you've just caught even in even in just just things they've said between january 6th and now mm-hmm. uh statements are changed to the point where they're unrecognizable as the well, same person saying both of them and
2: <laughs>
0: one
3: yeah, I, I, that was quite comically terrible that um senator mcconnell basically in his you know argument for why he voted the way he voted yeah. led with you know he's morally uh responsible <laughs> And has demonstrated, you know, woeful misbehavior. I mean, I, I, I'm paraphrasing. I don't want to uh, misquote the 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 great Mitch McConnell, of course, oh. but I, I would um, venture a guess that everyone that in his close circle knew that the man was, um, you know, factually guilty. Yeah. I, and I, we all knew that. I, I mean, it wasn't, you didn't need to make a case about it. It's why they pushed an impeachment through. It's like, well, he's done that. So we're going to make it happen. And, the, the idea that like we could avoid somehow this conviction and stripping of of federal privileges um, because the, because he wasn't currently in office, okay that's that's chill. Uh, whatever. Um, I like the idea that we wouldn't just go back and re-impeach uh, presidents. Yeah. you know I, uh, I I believe that previous presidents have been blatant war criminals and are still deserving of secret service protection and security briefings. Sure. Uh, I I believe wholeheartedly that um, we've had some pretty sus presidents. Oh yeah. And, and, and if we, if the Senate or the house, excuse me, you know, because the house flips, they now just go back and and impeach a president (laughs) for something that happened in the past. Like I, I would, I would oppose that. Like it'd be kind of comical if all of a sudden they were like impeaching president Bush for lying about WMB or Sure. President Obama because of all these you know illegal aliens were locked up or the you know, pr- drone strikes that took yeah. out you know dozens of villages I'm not saying that that's, that would be wrong i just be a really rough precedent to set and and I did think that there was a chance that we could actually make it happen because he was impeached while he was in office but it does seem like we've set the precedent now that you can do whatever the hell you want in your last week in the office because there's no way the house is going to get to you and right. certainly no way and it's going to have a, a, a hearing that takes apparently now three weeks. That's apparently the uh, standard now of yeah. which Senate's have uh, uh, trials. I'm using my air quotes here, but um,
0: those are fantastic air quotes.
3: Yeah. So, so there you have it. I mean, I, I'm not disillusioned. I, I actually was, you know, on social media today and I I posted, you know, this, this, this trial could have been an email. I mean, I, I there was nothing that I learned and i don't think there's anything that the american person learned who is paying attention to politics.
0: Yeah, i mean i mean for sure if you had somebody who you know had been in uh been in antarctica for some reason without good i mean, you know, without good con- connectivity they they might have learned something about just kind of the goings-ons and maybe a little uh a little more inside information just of conversations that had been had. Um but yeah, no there was nothing of of essence that i think uh perpetuated cause or forward at
3: all and and i'm in a very real way i was i was as i watched a lot of it today um this morning i i was kind of dreading that there might be this carryover into next week where we're going to call this person and this person, we're going to call this representative and this representative. Oh, we're going to get Pelosi out here. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that that would have made anybody's case. I I think getting more people on record as to how awful uh, the entire situation was and and, uh, how awful the president is, but I don't, I don't believe that that would have actually helped any senators flip their vote. No, I think that we would have had more clown questions like we did during the question session and clown questions tend to waste everybody's time. Sure. And and when I found out that they were just going to vote today, that they were just going to call it good and vote, get everyone on the record and and then start Monday with a, a new plan, I, I to me that made the most sense.
0: Yeah yeah, well it's it's, it's it is for sure wasting less time. Um and money and if, resources Yeah, if,
3: and... if our jurists aren't impartial. Yeah. Then we might as well take a take roll call. Who's going to vote impartially and who's going to vote factually? And you had, what, seven? Seven. And, and, and I'm not saying that that's good or bad. It's just it is what it is. And I think that those seven senators now get to go back to their constituency and either make a case for why they did it or make a case for why they didn't do it.
0: Wouldn't you have liked way to... around?
3: And if they want to pursue getting reelected in Trumpville, USA, then they're going to have to defend their vote. Yeah, and if yeah. they want to get reelected in um, a moderate town or you know purple state, um I think they're going to they're going to have won some votes, right. uh, some moderates and some um people you know liberal leaning individuals who are happy to vote for someone who stands up for uh what's right,
0: the actual constitution and not uh you know tribalism, toxic tribalism. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, what? So, anyway,
3: that's, my, uh, that's my two cents on uh, the goings on of the last few yeah, weeks. Yeah. I um, I was at work when everything went down on uh, that whatever it was that day or whatever day it was. It was it was quite remarkable to just be following things on Twitter, but you know, being behind a significant amount of like what was really going on there. I, di- I didn't have any TV on. It wasn't
2: yeah. like
3: Politico wasn't airing anything. So you know. Um, catching up later. And then, of course, seeing the, the videos this week, it's just like, yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things that you might remember where you were when. Right. Um, and I think a, a lot of politicians um, in the United States might prefer that you not contextualize what happened on that day as an insurgency or a attempted coup or a, anything more than a, a protest gone
0: bad. I, right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The the okay. the language the, they worry about the language of the optics of mm-hmm. that moving forward instead of just calling a spade a spade. Uh, the, if the equivalency
3: it, would be like you know if you know if uh, you know I hate to draw equivalency between nine eleven and 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 the um, January sixth, but I, I consider both to be national tragedies.
0: Agree, agreed. Agreed.
3: In, in different ways, but and and the idea that like what happened after nine eleven was like. It was America's sort of fervent calling to go after the individuals who plotted and planned. Right? We didn't have any. We didn't have any pilots or hijackers that we could string up and uh, march out um, in a court hearing. So what did we right. do? We we went for the top dog and and you know and everyone sort of was probably fine with that. You know, we we yeah. were effectively like attacked, um, and the plane that was likely headed for the Capitol or the White House was the one that crashed. Would we have felt the same way had insurgents crashed an airplane into the Capitol building on January 6th? Right. Would we have would we have said, well, you know, that was just a or
0: even just driven a car.
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, based on everything I saw um, on on pretty impartial media, I I don't feel that what was happening was anything more than it was anything other than a siege. Uh, you Correct. know, Correct. And, we, and we're from Portland, right? So we're, we're very familiar with, with protests and protest lines and yeah. you don't get past this line. And here's a fence that means business. Now you can attempt to butt rush this fence, but what's going to happen is you're going to get, you're going to tear gas in the face. And it's almost like that, that, that unspoken social contract between law enforcement, defending, a, a, a defending their ground and, and protesters, whether it be armed or not, Correct. you know, that, that, if you decide, even if there's a hundred of you to get past here, you're, you're going to run into the cops. And, and when people were, you know, basically running through the Capitol and there's, here we have armed, armed police, I'm not security guards, mind you, like armed yeah. police,
0: Capitol police. Yeah.
3: E- electing to not shoot them. Um,
0: Instead. No, they, they did. Wild. They did shoot. They shot yeah. pictures.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They sna- yeah. they, they, there were they... there were some selfies taken. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, and I'm not. This is not like, oh, I'm all of a sudden like bootlicking here, the Capitol Police. <laughs> yeah. But I do I do agree that that gentleman who, um, you know used used a lot of nonviolence to get the protesters away from um the you know the rotunda room, um likely escorted senators away from yeah. the mob. Yep. Um, yeah, that I mean they were more than deserving of accolades and you know, and it's, it's just unfortunately quite sad that when law enforcement lose their lives in a protest, um, you get a number of people in the United States that kind of get up in arms about that loss of life. And I think that was really missing with this particular protest.
1: I really and, do too.
3: But that, that really kind of gives me pause.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think we all kind of know why, um, when you have a, a, a protests against racial injustice or protests against like racist police officers and um, someone on either side gets hurt or loses their life. I think you see a lot of more of an upcry and then agreed what you had, what you had on, on January 6th was,
0: or the lack thereof. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, Oh, I'm, we're sorry to hear that those police officers lost their lives in the line of duty. And it, and it, to me, it was just like, Whoa, what? Like I don't understand. And I think the next time that obviously there is a, gathering at the capitol building or anyplace else i think the security will be very different knowing kind of oh. what happened yeah but that doesn't undo what happened
0: no it doesn't no it doesn't
3: i mean i don't think it's going to necessarily be the same as like you have to take your shoes off going to the airport kind of a life changer right but i do think that like there ought to be a more police presence if if that type of behavior is going to be shrugged off by sure. half of our population so
0: okay well let's take a
3: yeah, a little let's trip.
0: Let's take a little trip back in time again, um, to when I looked at you as terrifying, and you would make me uh, uh, dress up in like basically Rambo gear uh, with Nerf guns. And
3: you have a much t- more vivid memory of of our encounters um, in our childhood. But I will, I will defer to your wisdom. I had a lot of Nerf guns growing up, so that does sound like something we would have done.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: sure. yeah, yeah. You thought it was. I, I, I distinctly remember. You thinking it was quite funny to have me dressed up like Rambo with a bunch of Nerf guns and go and attack your sister with them?
3: Uh, I could, I to this day, I would, I would find that quite comical,
0: right, um, right. And I
3: would support that behavior. If oh yeah,
0: you to, did, you supported Fly it.
3: ourselves down to Atlanta and uh, <laughs> bring some Nerf guns right over their house. I think that'd go really well in her neighborhood too.
0: Probably really would. Yeah, that would look great. Um, uh at the same time uh what fascinated me was you were probably the first time i distinctly remember uh listening to Metallica. uh you were you were one of the exposed i remember uh we were staying at at your house there sure. uh and you had a wonderful display case of a lot of cassette tapes and it was they were
3: like, cds i only had one cassette my entire life but Oh, they, it yeah, was so they it were, would have been CDs. yeah they were cds um, I can remember that I you know I had two of them I remember I brought I brought those little cabinets to college they they all they all held about 50 CDs so I had about 100 CDs.
0: Well, for some reason and I thought it was those... tapes I don't know why but I guess I was it's, just It's
3: okay well cuz it was it was it was it was the you know mid 90s right so yeah. it could have been yeah. but it wasn't.
0: It was CDs um, yeah. Well, yeah
3: and so I, I, mean,
0: I I assumed it would have been the t- the, the wanted the little high, higher phi high tech option right anyway
3: I, I'm sure I had a tape player um, but what I did have was a computer that, that I ripped all my music to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's, that's really, that's what I did. I mean, I, I have every one of those CDs I've ever bought and some CDs I own. Um, I've only ever spun once, you know, to put,
0: just to to put to into the computer. songs and off.
3: I never, yeah. Cause I, I perhaps you and your audience knows that like it, it was, it was quite treacherous in the nineties and two thousands to download music. Oh yeah. Um, if you wanted your computer to survive, uh, whatever, um, apocalyptic viruses would come with, uh. With with Napster and, and LimeWire. Limewire, of course. And so and so I I was I never downloaded um music. I, I was that guy who was like, I'm not gonna download that. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna A, I don't want viruses. B, I don't wanna get like some hard drive wipe uh that's gonna cost me like my legitimate music. So, yeah, yeah. so I, I never downloaded I did I did borrow CDs, of course, so I guess that what's I guess we call that pirating now. Um oh. but it's but it's hard to hard to say whether or not that's uh worse than than stealing
0: yeah Um, yeah i mean i I,
3: someone paid for it right like someone bought that as opposed to the download which absolutely and i can remember um a lot of uh in college and digressing of course but like not long after you and i met um having a lot of music that was quite coveted by a lot of the guys on the section because Mm -hmm. i was i was a rock aficionado um i was i was you know i had Tons of bands, tons of albums, and, and and it was still sort of like the tail end of grunge and the and the onset of, of new rock or whatever whatever they're calling it now. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we in the nineties you just called it hard rock. Um, you were yeah. hard rock or grunge, and 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 then in the two thousands, I mean, you had you had bands like you know,
0: well, metal. The term yeah, metal came yeah,
3: out like yeah, new new metal, which didn't describe anything that I owned, cr- yeah. but yet the bands that I liked, sometimes they were new metal bands. And I was like, well, I, I'm not really into metal. Um, I would have made the case that Metallica wasn't by that time, a metal band. I agree. And, and all of the, the rock that I've got from like the seventies and eighties, it was, it was definitely on the rock side. Like it was the ACDCs. It was the Aerosmiths. It was the Bon yes. um It wasn't, you know, it wasn't um, Pantera. Right? It wasn't, right. you know, any of, the, any of that stuff coming out of England, And the Bay Area, that was like that, that underground thrash thrash. Yeah. Which we didn't even know it was called thrash, but like now we would call it thrash metal. But if I hear a song that, that I attribute to that genre, I'm like, oh, that's, that's a good metal song. And if I hear anything else, I'm like, oh, that's good hard rock. Yeah. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. No,
0: no, that is the distinction I make too. And Pete, you know, there's, there are so many sub genres of sub genres of, of rock now. And you have to know all the cores and all the, the, mm-hmm. the, I don't even know what the difference between metal and core signifies. I have friends that are in core bands and I don't know what, I'm, I'm not sure what they mean. Um, but okay. So, so, uh, you know, in, in kind of the fascinating things, um, you are a monstrous Star Trek fan, you are a monstrous Star Wars fan, and a Lego fan. And those were always things, from my view, that mm-hmm. was like the epitome of what one could be, given the ability to be as free in delving into it as they, one could. So your Lego connect- collection is amazing.
3: Uh, I, I appreciate the feedback, and, and, and I, I know your listeners can't uh, can't see me right now. However, um, in in the back of my my Zoom screen um, are about uh, eight <laughs> or nine shelves, um, floor to ceiling, yes. uh, with about, about two to three hundred different Lego sets, and they're all every one of them is a Star Wars system set. So um, that's that's something that I've well, been doing for ninety nine.
0: Sure, and not only do you have the Legos there. In front of that are all of your blazer
3: gear that yeah, I, that that well, you have
0: a collection of as well. Yeah, I've,
3: I've hung up some shirts to hide the shelves um, uh, to and, distract and, the viewer who's watching me on Zoom from trying to figure out what the heck they're looking at.
0: Is it also is it also a fact that you have a large collection of Star Trek Christmas ornaments?
3: Um, I I will I will cop to that for sure um i'm actually pretty proud of the collection that yes. myself my brother-in-law and my mom have contributed to over the decades, decades or so <laughs> yeah. um and uh and and this marks the first year that i i had to purchase a new tree um because the the what i will say the girth of the ornament collection had had just worn the previous tree down and it was sad uh-huh. so yeah, um, at some point I may share with your listeners some photos that I've had of that tree. It's, sure. it's down now. Um, I usually take it down in February and put it up in November. So
0: correct, that's it, as one should.
3: They're all Hallmark ornaments. They're all Star Trek, and they've been going back on uh, until like, I want to say, I want to say ninety three is right. when I got my.
0: Right. So so you know you so as someone being born in the early eighties, um, which. You know, I guess you would have been right around the the perfect age, that six seven year old range, when Star Trek first came out, right? Eighty um, nine.
3: So yeah. So, have... uh, Next Gen debuted in eighty seven, eighty eight. Oh, I guess. Um, and I was oh. watching in eighty nine, so I was about eight years old. Yeah. And uh, and I I can remember. The, I mean, I know now um, which first episodes I watched, and I can recall when I when season two was halfway through. That's right about when I started sort of getting into it. Um, it would be something that I watched, and and then I can, and then I distinctly remember um, as the show was always in syndication, that over the summer between the gap between season two and season three, is when the the local channel here in Portland would air them most nights. Like we got season one and season two rerun just in a loop, and then oh, it would wow. go through and loop them again. So by the time by the time season three premiere aired. Um, I was watching it with the rest of the world. Um, it, was, it aired a Saturday here in uh, Oregon.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and uh, I, had, I was all caught up. And see, so, yeah, at that point, I'd probably memorized.
0: The first two all, seasons, yeah. You
3: know, 52 episodes of seasons right. one and two. Or whatever. Well, and
0: that, so, so at that time, um, were you already a Star Wars fan? Which one came first? And did they lead to one another?
3: Good, good question. Um, I was definitely a Star Wars fan first. I played with Star Wars men um, as long back as I can remember. Um, I, mostly with my cousins, older cousin and younger cousins, who had a lot of them. Yeah. I collected uh, that. I collected the action figures. Um, never, never had one bought new because they were all out of print, right? Um, off shelves by the time I was old enough to collect action figures. So it was all it was all secondhand, thrift hand-me-down garage sale type. So I am asked a pretty good collection of um, Kenner Kenner Star Wars men. And I I absolutely loved um, Star Wars, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi being my favorite movie um, most of my life. So um, Star Trek didn't really intersect Star Wars. It wasn't like a, oh, I like sci-fi, so I'm going to like this show. Uh, They were, to me, have always been... um, very, very mutually exclusive. My, my love for each has has changed over the years, depending on what's on TV, what's airing, uh, what's in theaters. Um, I can remember, of course, vividly uh, being just a huge Star Trek fan for for a oh, decade. Um, but then, of course, we got a new movie in '99, right? So it was like it, it almost, in a very real way, rekindled my affection for Star Wars because, sure. you know. Many people may not remember, but like we we went a very very long time, very long time without oh. new Star Wars. Yes, and then when Star Wars ended again in two thousand and three, we went another very very long time without new Star Wars. Correct. So so you can imagine um, my Star Wars fandom being sort of a roller coaster where sure when the new movies are out and and being really in waning, of course, in yeah. the absence of new content. I was always into the books. Um, and that's one thing that maybe differentiates me between Star Wars and Star Trek. I never liked Star Trek books very much, but I was really into the the saga of Star Wars novels because it was theoretically like these are the real stories that happen after, and of course, sometimes even before. Okay,
0: the- put a pin in that because we need. To, I, I have questions about sure. v, mo- Star Wars in itself, movie canon, extra extra canon uh, all mm-hmm. of the cross side stories you know competing th- okay so let's put a pin in that i yeah. i want to go back to you've mentioned a couple times and there's a running theme that i am f- almost as intrigued in as just the fandom itself and the the want and drive to know as much about these universes as possible is the drive for you collecting um, where did that come from? Because I'm someone who loves things. If you were to turn around right now, I have knickknacks and stuff all over my studio. I sure. I've had I love this boba action figure, shootable backpack, all mm-hmm. of the action arms it moves. I have yeah. a, gr- a great fully functional R2D2 but I don't have oh, let me put back. I don't have the whole set. But then right next to it, I have some of my favorite little Pokemon action figures and all these things and Transformers and action f- and Hot Wheels cars. And they're all there, but I don't go as far as having every piece of everyone. Where did
2: mm-hmm.
0: why, Where did that come from, do you think, for you? And what is the drive to every time you find sure. something new, get all of it?
3: Um. Okay, that's a very good question. I think it's a multi-layered response that I can give. I First of all... Yeah. I think when you're when you're collecting something that you're very passionate about, um, you're you're very interested in in ex- like seeing what's next. In in '99, when I started collecting Star Wars Lego, which which is to this day my only real Star Wars collection, quote unquote. Sure. Um, you know, I I made it my mission to like, oh, I I every one of these, I love, they're amazing. I mean, I grew up a Lego fan, so like I needed to have those. Going off to college was perfect for me because you know when you're in college you're poor um we didn't live near a store that would have sold lego i didn't need lego in my dorm room didn't have space for lego so it was one of those things that like when i came home for summer like maybe i would pick up a set or two so there's like sort of this dearth of like completion um between like you know 90 or about 2000 and 2004 or so yeah yeah and, I, and it wasn't very long before they they did like a set re-release you know or, or they would remake a set and i I got to the point where I was like, all right, I, I really don't feel that I even want all of them, you know? And so when you, when you cross that got to collect them all bit bridge, and then you get to the, I don't want them all. Mm. It's really easy to just start doing kind of what you're doing. Like I'm going to pick and I'm going to pick and choose like what I like. And, yeah, yeah. and to this day, like that's kind of how I approach uh star Wars Lego. I, I will pick and choose a set that I, I would prefer to have in my price range. Um, maybe it goes with my other sets. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it looks good on the shelf. Maybe I just kind of, kind of cram it in there. Um, but it's that, it's that, And this is the second part of my response. It's that dopamine response. It, it's that here is a thing that I want. I will feel good. If I have it, I will think about it for a while. Mm. I will imagine having it. And then that, that, that gratitude of, Oh, I found it for a good price or, Oh, this person was selling it, or I got a discount on this. I think that's, that's really, for me, that's what the chase is all about
1: gotcha um
3: and that's and and really to be honest like that's other than my my christmas ornaments i don't i don't have a lot of like star trek stuff no um if you could see my room here like i've got like a little shelf that i put a few like mm, things on um yeah, but, but i don't i'm not a completionist was completionist when it comes to any collection i have sure
0: but but you enjoy mm-hmm. the you enjoy the 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 act of collecting You enjoy the act of filling maybe a void that 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 you feel like do you do you (laughs) do you kind of look at those things and see empty spots that you need that you go, Oh, I need to fill this emptiness with this? Is that something you process or is it a little more extrinsic than that? because i i would say i would say God, no. maybe you even do it with the jerseys maybe you do it with the swag and the socks and the shoes that match the hat and that match the thing it's fascinating to me i don't have the compulsion i i know friends who who need yeah. all of the color schemes of the seahawks jerseys or or they're lakers mm. fans and they want all of mm. these things or or mm-hmm. you, you know like like i i get that thing as well i don't have it you know my little brother's a, a base collector and so he wants a bunch of different bases and all the stuff that goes with that and i have a couple but i don't need the i the only thing maybe i have is vinyls right i Mm -hmm. i I love collecting vinyl and if i go oh there's a band i want then i want like this album that feels right but i don't need Mm -hmm. every record from that you're not
3: you're not gonna um, complete their entire discography right on vinyl just because you have two of their albums, I, then I must go get the other four.
2: Right.
0: No,
3: I, I I'm with you on that. And I, I do want to, you know, um downplay the scope of my collection as a percentage of how many they've ever released. Right. I, I think that, that there's, um, there are not too many people on this earth that have collected every star Wars Lego set. No, I don't know any of them personally, but I also know that they have the disposable income that would rival you know, an NBA basketball player, right? Yes. So I, so I'm yes. just going to throw that out there. I don't, I don't want your listeners to think that I'm some sort of like a, uh, um, rich, oh no, of, no of, of uh, Denmark plastic. But I will, I will try to speak to your 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 query. I, I did appreciate your question. Um, I think you'd make a you'd make a good uh, you'd make a good therapist, good sir. Mm. I the 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 concept of like, is it filling a gap? Is it filling a, a hole? I could say that, like, maybe that's a part of it. I think anytime you're, anytime you get this dopamine surge from anything you do, whether it's, um, sliding a, you know, a coin into a, a video poker machine or a slot machine or, you know, buying that pack of cigarettes and just like tapping it against your, your, um, palm. your hand <laughs> yeah. or palm. If you're, you know, you're, you walk into that liquor store and you're like, oh my gosh, like, look, I'm in heaven. Or, or you look down at your grocery cart and then there's some, there's a there's some donuts or some chips in there, and I think any time that yeah that you're you're doing something to chase a dopamine rush, whether it's compulsive or intentional, you, you are of course filling a gap. It's it's a physiological gap, um, a hole so to speak. Agreed. But but I don't I don't say that it's always that. I think that there's there's some there's a component of pride. I don't. You talk to a lot of smokers, they probably don't have a lot of pride in their behavior. Like, yeah. You talk to a lot of compulsive eaters. Um, hey, how do you feel about that third donut you ate? They I, don't probably, think they'd, no. I don't think they'd answer, you know, in the affirmative. I And I think that that's, I think that it comes a little bit different with collectors. And then of course you got to watch out for that, that other side of the coin, because a lot of people who become compulsive about collecting and keeping, um, they take it to the nth degree and, and, yeah. and they're incapable of getting rid of anything, including like uh, newspapers or junk mail or you know, food cartons. Yeah. And, and and while that is an extreme example of a collector, um, and I wouldn't say that I'm a hoarder, by any stretch of the imagination, I think that.
0: Do you have a bit of that?
3: Therein is the rub. Like there, you, if you're getting to the point where you are doing something in excess, whether it's um, you know nicotine or, or alcohol or or l- plastic Lego um, things that serve no real or warm up value or right? warm ups. Um, yeah, or 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 T-shirts, warm ups, shirts. Yeah. I think you run into that, like, w- why? And do you have a problem? And, um, you know, it, I'm probably not objective when it comes to do I have a problem? Sure. I, I can say that I've never filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> I can tell you that I've never uh, lost a home or lost a job yeah, or okay, so, so- uh, missed a paycheck because of any sort of collection. But I can also say that I've I've definitely spent money in the past that I should have probably spent on something else because that little plastic thing went on sale and i was like that's a price that i feel like i can get i've been watching that for five months and now it's down and now i gotta get it and now it's here and i couldn't point to that one on the shelf like i it it, that that's the value that the thing had
1: got you I, i
3: could not tell you which one it was and it would be nice if i could because then it would have that extra meaning for me um one way shape or form but but that's part of that that compulsive, like, nth degree w-
0: was it? Was it something as as a young boy when mm-hmm. you, when you're getting this and feeling that rush? And man, I remember Lego maniac magazines and seeing mm-hmm. everything come out because because oh, yeah. for, for for people to know, my introduction to real Lego playing was your collection. We'd go there and you just have tubs and a closet full of tubs that you pull down. And you could just oh, start yeah, rocking like and a, rolling. Yeah, City Legos, right? Yeah, City, like
3: I, as a kid. Yeah, as a kid, like of course. Um, and growing up in America, like you're gonna, you're likely gonna come into contact with some Lego, right? And so I think I was, I was blessed, um, being from a family with means that Christmas is generally got me, um, some, some Lego stuffs.
0: Yeah. Did you, but you know, uh, did, was that kind of a thing? Were you, were you a confident kid in, in in maybe in school in, in figuring out because I relate to the, the fantasy escapement thing. That's what, hmm. that's what star Trek was for me. That's what star Wars was for me. Um, mm-hmm. just, just imagining the getaway, but anything, man, you know, it, it could have been a uh, princess bride. It could have been a uh, never ending story. I mean, any of those things were the fantastics, the Indiana Joneses, all of that was the, 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 the fantastic. And I found, before I really developed the appreciation for playing music, um, Mm -hmm. the other escapes in life other than video was Lego sets because you could literally build the reality you wanted, right? Mm -hmm. If it didn't work, you crush it, you could break it and then rebuild again. Mm -hmm. Um, and then listening to music, the audio file side of the escapement. And I found, you know, I was not a very confident person in myself as a young kid. Um, I was, awkward and tall and lanky and you know I had red hair to boot and uh like you said probably not the greatest complexion because you didn't really figure out hygiene to the best of what what Mm -hmm. probably could have been available and um confidence was found in the extra stuff and so I was kind of wondering because you were driven to it were you a confident kid
3: well I I did do you know, a lot of stuff in school and class. Um, I wasn't like in like student government or anything like that. I, I did have some friends. I did the scouts.
0: Yeah, I was Boy I was Scout. Yeah.
3: Teams. Um. Yep. Yep. But you know, whether or not I was confident or not, I guess, uh, I guess I always had confidence in myself. Um, but I was okay. never, but I never really saw myself as an extrovert with my peer group. Okay. And and I and I, you know, for me, like those. Lego, like Lego sets, like that was always for me, imaginative play until about fifth grade, right? Which I think is probably when I got my last Lego set, you know, as a kid. Um, Because at that point, you need to either be focusing on schoolwork or sports or Mm. you're doing something else with your free time, video games, you know, because that's really what kind of when, you know, middle school, let's play some video games. Um, Nintendo Man was the best, Super (laughs) Nintendo was the best, best. The and I think you know Lego takes a back seat and and to your point, like you come over like, oh, you have Legos in a tub okay, well, that should tell you everything you need to know about Lego right there because they lived in a tub in my yeah. closet yeah, yeah um and and I'm sure there was no sets. I mean there was all ten thousand bricks like correct disassembled and and I and I I will draw a firm distinction between the purpose and the utility of that item for me in my childhood versus as a as an eighteen year old like buying my first Star Wars Lego set. Um, I can remember what it was and where I got it and everything like that. And, and, and it's, it's, it's may, it may have been disassembled. It may have been put in a bag. It may have, it may have moved homes a number of times. Um, but it, it is not in a tub, right. With, yeah. with 10,000 yeah. other pieces. I, I would be, um, I think my collection would lose value and I'm not talking about value like monetary value. No, I would lose value to me. Yeah. If it lived in a tub, and I had to go and spend a week finding all the pieces for this one 1999 set, right. um, when really that set can just live on a shelf, and and I do have some unbuilt sets, like I do have some sets that do live in a bag. Yeah, um, it's not because I hate them; it's because they don't currently have a, a space in my heart uh, to be displayed. That's that a, doesn't mean I will never. That doesn't mean that I'm going to sell them. It doesn't mean that I'm going to like disassemble them and mix them together with. Sure. Some like little eight-year-olds Legos, but I I do feel that, like, yeah, I definitely there's a definite distinction between I collect this collector's item to display, and I'm eight, and I I need a tub full of Lego so I can build, I can imaginatively play and build this tower or this castle or this boat.
0: I love the framing and the distinction that you put between owning it to have had it versus owning it. And having it like have a place in your heart that that's 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 a great distinction. I think that is probably why I've I have so many fingers and so many pots in my my mm-hmm. fandom of stuff, but none of them are big. Is because you're right. It does kind of fill this quota of oh, I have this thing. It what I wanted for the meaning of it is there. It exists. I can look at it when I want it. And now that thing is kind of full. Um, mm-hmm. Do Do you have the same with your your uh, relationship with the shows because you know I know yeah. even now you know during quarantine you uh, on the meads you know we follow each other's stories and things like that and and mm-hmm. I know you watch a lot of Trek you're watching a lot yeah. of Star Wars you know you're mm-hmm. you're c- going back to favorite episodes and catching up and just jumping into the middle of a season is mm-hmm. that more of the escape thing that you maybe
1: got
3: yeah I, the real need out of yeah I mean I, I'm an incredible consumer of um of Star Wars media, uh, and I, I think that right now we are we are actually about to embark on the the, the second golden age. Um, yeah, Mandalorian crazy. crazy. The uh, and it, when it comes to track, like to me, that's it's a comfort. Like I I don't have to start a new show. Um, it's the type of thing that I can consume and not give it my full attention. Like if you, if you watch a TV show, like you've memorized how it goes and how it ends and whatnot. um, That doesn't mean you're never going to watch it again. It it might mean if it's your favorite show, you will watch it again, but you're not going to sit there and uh, watch it the way you did the first time. There are, there are hundreds of TV shows out there that I'm sure I would love. And I have often gotten recommendations. Oh, you should watch this. Or you should watch that. Um, uh, You know, the movie on Netflix, like I've got, I've got the expanse that I need to watch. I say I need to watch it. It's gonna be hard for me to watch it. Like, I need to develop the time to start new shows. I don't know if I love starting new shows. Um, and I don't consider Star Wars shows to be new shows. I consider no. it to be the next iteration yeah. of a saga. Yeah. So so I don't want to, you know, draw a contrast between like starting a new Star Wars show, but I, I I'm a lot reluctant to sort of like delve into some stuff unless I get a personal like, dude, I'm coming over we're watching this together. You're going to love it. Sit down and shut up. Right. Put your kids to bed, get, you know, turn off your work computer. Let's make this happen. So, and that, and that's just not a thing, especially during quarantine. Um, when my, you know, consumption of television has likely gone up along with every other American. Yes. Um, I, my consumption of new content has never been Mm. lower. Mm. I, I can't remember the last movie I saw. It might've been Avengers. I don't recall. Really? Um, Yeah, so I don't I don't really know what what's good and that's fine because I'm comfortable. And I think as you as you you know get through your 30s, you make a lot of decisions about what's valuable and what's not. Right. Helpful, what's not. And I think that over time I've come to either the realization, consciously or unconsciously, that that I don't need a lot of new. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good with with the new that comes into my home every day. I have a I have a preteen. Um and a five year old who's in preschool. So, <laughs> there's plenty of new things happening every day. Um, I I have a, a very dynamic career that there's a lot of things that happen on a daily basis that I'm I feel ill equipped to deal with and uh, you know I have I have no real desire to come home and be in charge of anybody or anything. Yeah, yeah. To be responsible in a way that like is going to help someone's life change. I, I sometimes want to just, like you said, escape. And, and for me, uh, Trek, in all of its iterations, it has always been escapist for me. Um, and and while Star Wars a very different a different type of escape, I, I think that's always been sort of my entertainment.
0: Well, Trek Trek is, is is fantastic for escape for anybody out there. You know, I know I got quite a few listeners who are Trek fans. In fact, mm. uh, in the polls on the online when I asked which was one to pr- one prefer, mm-hmm. um, Star Trek resoundingly beat out over Star Wars. And,
3: what did uh, What did you pick? Uh, <sighs>
0: My heart of hearts for every day is staying Star Trek.
3: Okay.
0: Um. I think I hard
3: per- to argue against that, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just the amount of content, the amount of content period that one could just readily watch that is familiar and feels, you know, heartfelt and warming and and pure. Um. Whether you know it's it's original. A series TNG Voyager Deep Space Nine all of those in their own rights are just fantastic and then you go into you know new stuff and Picard mm-hmm. and, and I mean it's
3: it, it's it's hard well, to- yeah we we are experiencing a, another renaissance now of Trek um you know the, the last the last three years have brought us three new years of Star Trek for the first time yeah um since the you know since the early two thousands and right. it was. Well, and I, you know, I, there were films. I don't want to say that there weren't movies. Yeah, but yeah, like,
0: yeah. The films.
3: There, that's the first time that we had like weekly, like a, yeah. a weekly event, a gather around the TV weekly, yes. and it's something that I've really um, strived for since yeah. since we've had new Star Trek. Um, my only real lamentation is that it's not content yet that my preteen can consume with me. Right. Um. And I and I feel oh even a little
0: the new stuff or any of it.
3: New, the new, the oh, new yeah, stuff yeah, with yeah, the exception, yeah. with the exception of Lower Decks, which is a fantastic show.
0: Lower well, Decks is know. great. Lower Decks is great.
3: Yes. Um, and, and my daughter has watched every episode of Lower Decks with me, but she was, she was really into uh, the Orville Um, that kind of went off airish. ish mm-hmm. uh, and then, and then Lower Decks kind of was that next thing that she grabbed yeah. Yeah. with me and it was a lot of fun, but she's just not, she wouldn't do well both attention wise and content wise and of course adult theme wise yeah um with any of the other iterations of star trek and and that'll be something that we consume together at some point I, i'm not saying that we're never gonna watch that stuff but we're not it's not it's not graphic sexual <laughs> abuse, yeah. <laughs> abuse yeah and and you know pejorative words but it's 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 something that i think is a a 10 11 and now 12 year old um it isn't quite ready for it the way that you and I were watching Trek when we were 10, 11 and 12. I mean, we were eating that shit up. Yes. Um, you know, we, we couldn't get enough. Uh, and, and at one point, especially in our adolescence, there were two shows on. Right. And like, so yeah. you might get a show for six months out of the year. There's going to be three months of overlap. So you might get two star treks a week and then yep. you're going to get another three months of star Trek of new stuff. Oh, man. And then you're going to get three months off to, to just take a break. Before the next, you know, series kicks off, and I and that's one thing that I really liked about about Trek. They didn't take a break. Yeah, um, you got new Star Trek from like 1987 to 2004. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And 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 I'm not going to disparage you, Doctor Who fans. You're out there. I I love you. However, what what other franchise can say that? What other franchise can say we were we were good good for more than a decade the simpsons I, can you tell me the simpsons were good good for more than a decade
0: from from 90 94 95 sure. to 2008 2009 hey, that you got period, 13,
3: 14 years right but
0: that's but, but but it was ramping up to that 94 95 when it really mm-hmm. got good and then 2008 2009 it just fell off and it's and
3: and with trek you have you have that time plus some more a little bit of a gap and then you had 2008 where we had that new resurgence of content yep yep Um, and i'm a huge fan of of 2008 star trek or um 2009 yeah and uh and and loving kind of like what they decided to do around like we're gonna canonize Things that were never canon before, so you could go and pick up a Star Trek book written in like 1993, um, and it's about the crew, and it's a it's probably a fun read. Maybe it's garbage, I don't know. But the decision in 2008 to say any media released that's that's canon, it's part of the story, right? So feel free to read it if you want, if you want some context, or if you want another story, if you want another adventure. Um, see, to me, that's that's what makes trek good now and yes. i would even argue like as better as good as it always was
0: right and, and-
3: just had nothing and we had nothing of course for for from from 69 to you know um set you know 79 that was when we got our film and you know the the motionless picture you know they rebooted that <laughs> they rebooted star trek in 82 we were both too young to have uh yep. participated in that or not even alive in your case um and i remember the first star trek movie i ever watched was six. Oh yeah it was a fan yeah and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Same. I wasn't sure what was happening, um, but I knew that it was amazing. And yeah. Yeah. and then going back and watching two and three on TV and then eventually getting them on tape. I had them all on tape. Yep. And uh, that, that's really when it solidified for me because I had on one hand, I had my weekly next-gen binge. And on the other hand, I had these films and these adventures that I could consume of these um, people that were before my time. And then, and then I got like in '97, I got Generations, which I, you know, not a fantastic film by any stretch of the imagination, but it really was a movie for the fans.
0: It, w- um, man, wasn't it? And, and, it how, how cool was it growing up seeing Picard on our TV screens at home and getting to love the whole crew and then going into the fucking theaters to watch oh yeah. them on the, the, the big screen? You're seeing every bit of it just blown up to giganthood is is uh,
3: yeah. I uh I I remember why wa- I, I watched in theaters I yep. watched it opening week I watched it with my cousin um it was uh it was great I, I you know it, it was it the best Star Trek movie
0: no, no no
3: um it wasn't even as good as the previous one right. but what it was was that that knowledge and wisdom that what you had just consumed for the past seven years wasn't wasn't going anywhere
1: yeah yeah. And then
3: we went home and watched more new Trek. Yes. Cause it was all every week. Right. Cause yeah. you're talking about like that, that 97 oh, to beautiful to, to 99. We had, we had two shows and movies. Yeah. To consume. And, and of course you had syndicated TNG. So I, I, I voted with you, um, for very similar reasons. Right. Like I, I do appreciate that. Like I, if I was going to sit down and watch something to entertain me right now, I'm not picking star Wars. No. Not. Um, if there was a new show on right now that was Star Wars, I would set my clock by it. Yeah. Well, right. And I'm, I'm in front of the TV with the lights off and no distractions. So because for me, like I've always consumed Star Wars with a um, a, a lens for this is real. This is important. I need this. The theater. Like, if I don't know what happens. Right. Like I'm going to fall behind. And then I've always consumed new Trek. Like, all right, let's check this out. This will be fun. And and that's kind of how I've approached the last uh, yeah. um, three years of new Trek. So.
0: Okay, that's beautiful. We're going to take a quick medi- yeah. a break for some meditation. Our yeah. resident meditative teacher will jump in and give us a, a lesson, and we will be back.
1: Hey, welcome back to Falco's 90-minute meditation hour. I'm your astrally projected inner true self and part-time digital clock repairman, Falco. All right, my astral friends, start by closing your eyes. Sit on your root chakras and let's meditate. Today, we are going to be concentrating on the phenomenology of being. One can truly unlock their inner potential to be by being one with yourself and the universe. Okay, in your mind, I want you to picture yourself on a couch. Now, command your aura to stand while leaving your corporeal self sitting. Once you see yourself sitting there, doing nothing, recognize that's you. You are both the you who does and the you who doesn't. So don't be the one who doesn't and keep being the one who is not the one who doesn't. (laughs) Run or float or don't but above all else do not don't it's a bad way to be the most important part of being is wrecking oh, oh man it looks like we're at the end of another episode well i hope you guys know how to be hare krishna
3: Om, Shiva And I'm going to switch to a uh, mixed drink. Oh, that's, so,
1: that's beautiful.
3: Got uh, This is uh, ginger beer. I'm going to go one half. There we go. Half a thing. Two shots of bullet.
0: Ooh, bullet and ginger beer. I like that.
3: One, two. Oh, that kills that. Now, if I was doing this correctly, I would get some lime. And go in there like that. I I currently am out of lime because it's an apocalypse, yeah. and I have my little store. Let me see what I have in here.
0: Oh, I, I like that. I like that a lot.
3: Um, I got okay. So I'm gonna do one. So the the creative chef of me is gonna go with lime Lacroix, and this is not gonna be gross, by the way.
0: No, it's not. Ginger beer, lime Lacroix, and bullet. I like that.
3: This is it right here. So I've now made a drink. Of course, I don't have a spoon down here, so I'm just going to sip it. Um, you you got
0: to use the, the finger and stir with the
3: finger, man. I don't know where this finger's been. <laughs> um, the bowl's in the middle. That's the nice thing about the, uh, you make it three parts, right? So you're not going to yeah. get all bourbon at the top. Correct. Oh, yeah, it hits the spot. Hey, cheers, man. Yeah, and you're still drinking whiskey on rocks, or uh, scotch rocks?
0: I am drinking scotch rocks, and uh, I got a beer back. I'm drinking... uh it's actually well. Now I
3: have a Lacroix back. So what do you know? There you go.
0: Um, okay. Well, I got let's go to, back on. Let's. Uh. I. We're we're gonna move into some question time. Just purely purely Q and A stuff. We got some fan questions. Uh, my own personal questions just about you. And and we're gonna start with Star Trek because we were just on there. Um, what? And and most of these questions for me because I think TNG is kind of the. The eponymous outside anybody who you're going to ask about TV Star Trek, they're going to think TNG first. Most people are not Voyager fans.
3: You don't think that people when they think of Star Trek would think of the original series first. I'm I'm not saying you're wrong. I just
0: ooh, um, I I think it is entirely age dependent.
3: Okay, I, I in my experience, when you say oh I watch a lot of Star Trek, the next question is what are you watching, right?
0: Sure, um, sure.
3: I, because no one thinks of any one, no Trek fan thinks of any one show when I say, oh, I'm watching Star Trek tonight. Oh. But I think the casual person, when you say, well, I'm watching Star Trek, the first thing that I think of is Captain Kirk, and Mr. Spock. Really? The, the casual And the casual non-fan, because I think there's household names. And frankly, like Lieutenant Commander Worf is not a household name.
0: No, no, you're right. And I think Spock is probably more of a name than Data. People aren't, pe- you know. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No. I guess you're right. I guess you're. Do right.
3: Do You like Kirk or do you like the bald one better? I think is often what a, a non Trek fan <laughs> yeah. would ask. Yeah. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you finish on oh, this, mic okay. I'm Connie. I'm gonna let you finish because, because uh, it seemed like you had a good question coming. Well, I braving. do.
0: I do. And so, I am keeping most of these TNG centered for 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 this discussion right now. Um, sure. what? Uh, right off the bat, let's just talk. Um, what is your favorite Enterprise?
3: Um, my favorite Enterprise is the Enterprise E from uh, 8, 9, and 10. Yeah. She gets tracked up pretty good in 10, but you know they fix her, and then there are continuing voyages that you can participate in in the video games and novels, if you so choose. But um, that is by far my favorite Enterprise, the John Eves Enterprise E. Yeah. Um, if, if I had to pick a second one, it would definitely be um, uh, the refit Enterprise from Star Trek, the motion picture and Star Trek 2 and Star Trek 3. I, I really appreciated the way that they took the the cardboard and plywood sets and really, really made them pop for the big screen. You, you, you are not distracted when you watch those films about what's happening and the eye really pulls to um, the aesthetic is yeah. very different than the than the show, where there was routinely something ridiculous happening sure. um, on the screen or in the camera, and then, and it's the way that, uh, um, just the way that 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 design team reimagined that that ship. To me, is is one of the 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 greatest accomplishments in science fiction. It, it brought a new generation of viewers and it re-solidified what the starship enterprise looks like. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. I agree. Or,
3: and and so and so I will I will I will say I the Johnny's enterprise wins for me. But that 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 refit enterprise and then she becomes of course such a character. You you've known her for decades. Right. Um, and then when when, you know, spoiler alert, when she blows up. Yeah. Um it it's a real tragedy that you feel. I think someone going to the theater having seen Star Trek two and and attempting to watch Star Trek three for the first time, doesn't feel any pangs.
0: None. Oh,
3: they blew up the ship. What are they going to do now? Is sort of like the question that a casual viewer would watch. Whereas everyone else was like, they did what now? That doesn't look like it's fixable. How are they going to, they did not. Right. They're going to have to undo this. Yeah. Go back in time. I mean, like you think about like, what the person who's grown up studying technical manuals for 10 years. I have one. I have one. When all you had was some books and some model kits and, and you had 10 years of, of content that was just based on three years of television to all of a sudden watch it all literally blow up in your face. That uh, to me was the, um, one of the quintessential moments in Trek.
1: Yes.
0: Thank you for continuing talking. I could hear my headphones are loud enough because I'm a deaf man. This.
3: What do you got here? This is the Star Trek blueprints, the complete set of authentic blueprints of the Starship Enterprise. So, I mean, this is a, this is a book that was released not too long ago, but it basically is a reproduction of the type of thing that you would have bought like in 1971 or
0: 1972.
3: Yep. When Star Trek was at its, peak and when oh, i say no by
0: peak, the way this this is from
3: 1975 oh well there you go i i they re-released that um, okay, at some yeah. point so you have an original so you, you yes. obviously didn't buy that from in 1975 no. so so you you found that and that's great and and so what you're looking at there um for you casual trek fans out there is is right about in in the 73 74 so it's been about four years since the show's been essentially off the air canceled yes, yes. Um there's this resurgence of Trek culture centered one hundred percent on conventions <laughs> all around the United States oh, where individuals from the cast and the crew and, and Gene Roddenberry himself, he 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 was a convention guy. Yes, he was. Oh and 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 at these conventions individuals would be peddling Content like this this would be where that you could buy the blueprints of the engine room. This would be where you could buy a replica prop phaser from, you know, 1968. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where you could um, get a uniform template in uh, a sewing pattern so that next year's convention you could wear yeah. what Captain Kirk wore. Well,
0: sure. Did you want did you want red uniform yellow uniform which get up. So
3: yeah, and so uh, and that's and that's it's one of the reasons why Star Trek came back. Yeah, is that there was enough of a fandom that never died. That was a huge had memorized every episode, you know had had listened to Gene and Leonard and and Bill talk for years, right? And so all of a sudden, Star Wars blows up the world in in um you know in the late seventies, and, and the response to seventy seven Star Wars was, "What do we have that competes with that? What do we have that can capitalize on this?" Rave. crazy post Buck Rogers post 2001 insanity yeah. um, that George Lucas created. And so then you had, you had this uh, paramount corporate movie content of uh star Trek, uh, the motion picture. I, you know, Robert Weiss did what he could do. Uh, the budget was problematic. Yeah. Uh, Gene Roddenberry was more problematic and, and that movie is what it is. Has it stood the test of time? Sure because people watch Star Trek. Well, when they
0: when they did because it's Star Trek, well, right? Well, I think what made it what what helped it stand the test of time is what you alluded to just in our previous topic was th- making that refit enterprise
2: mm-hmm.
0: really brought the original series, you go back and watch that, you watch the original movies, you feel it it th- that whole set looks a little more visceral now having lived kind of the modern take of it right it, it really oh, yeah. does just feel better the plywood is a little less apparent the cardboard <laughs> is a little less mm-hmm. it, it, it almost like your imagination can really play into it you know when 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 we got when we got phantom menace when we got the reboot of star wars in the late 90s early 2000s and and we got to see some of the action and the droids and the ships come to life in modern technology
2: sure. yeah uh-huh. it
0: it made the ships feel cooler in the the original trilogy. It made sure, yeah. It made some of that stuff. You all, you know, it's 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 apropos to reading Conan in a book and then seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan. Now the book, now Conan is the barbarian that mm-hmm. you thought he was, right? It's yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, uh, question from the fans: sure, what, yeah. what is who is your favorite captain?
3: Um, my favorite captain is Captain Picard, and not because of the ship or the crew or the show. I I, I think that he embodies what I prefer my captain to embody: uh, stoicism, uh, a cerebral approach to problem solving, a a absolute trust in the individuals who are underneath him, and yeah. um the the idea that that some rules are, are meant to be broken. Sure. Some are meant to be bent, but most are there to be followed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was definitely a little more rule oriented than Kirk. Um, uh, You know, a little less of a, of a, of a shoot by the hips kind of cowboy mm-hmm. in that, in that sense. But he did have a, you know, I think to it, it in putting myself in that place to have, to be someone who is a captain of a starship like of that caliber, you mm. must be a little unpredictable.
3: I, I will also asterisk my answer um, that I Captain Picard is my favorite captain until he wasn't Captain Picard anymore. And I think a true Trek fan would really understand what I mean by Agreed. that. Yep. Um, because at one point his character undergoes such a drastic change. Yeah. Um and it was all designed um for Patrick Stewart to be a little tougher, um, be a little bit more rough around the edges, and be a little bit more action motivated right. um, for Star Trek's eight, nine, and ten. And in fact, by the time you get to Star Trek Ten, he is he is a um almost unrecognizable as a as a written character than he was in any season of the next generation, particularly seasons three, four, and five. And which yes. most Trek fans say are sort of like, that's when Star Trek The Next Generation was its best.
0: Agreed. And a
3: lot of those episodes that are considered the best of Star Trek were Captain Picard episodes, right? They were they were episodes in which you learned a valuable lesson. Yeah. They were episodes in which the captain was faced with a, a difficult situation or, or some uh, unwinnable scenario. And the way that he and the crew handled it was 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 in no way shape or form what you see happening in in, in no. the films and and that's not because of the right. i mean we had i mean we had Frank's directed you know 8 and 9 it's not like yeah, yeah. you know it's not like we didn't have anybody who knew star trek writing shows it, it it's because
0: the character evolution had to take yeah. that turn the like, movie
3: going audience yeah. is not interested in a philosopher captain quoting shakespeare and chilling out on the bridge While underlings go to the work movie going movie going audience wants to see phasers and shooting and kickboxing and punching and fights to the death.
0: That's why that's why that's why the the reboot of uh, the original was so good in you having, uh, you know, Kirk being exactly that person, even Spock became that person. Uh, yeah. you know, it, it yeah, it definitely goes there. Um, yeah, for me, that's why I, I mean, obviously, I think I think I would say agree. Picard is probably my favorite captain, just because it is, it it feels the most natural to me. Um, okay. as just just thinking of Star Wars in general. Um, but I was always a Riker fan when I was a kid over sure. Picard during the shows. Riker. Especially season three, season four, Beard Riker was, was, you know, honestly, like, like he was just such a good. And then for me, I was a data guy. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, and it's funny you brought up favorite episodes when people talk about their favorite episodes throughout the series. You get them mostly Picard centric, which I agree with. I wrote a list of my top five favorite episodes just off the top of my head without really going and reading through, you know. You have that list now? Yes, I do.
3: I'd um, love to hear them and compare them to where my favorites. Are. I will. Um, are we talking all shows? Or are we talking just next gen?
0: This is just next gen, and okay. I, I just yeah. went. I just went through the, you know, off the top of my head, what uh, what episodes for me really stick out the most, um, and they are not all Picard centric episodes for me. So, um, I think my one of my favorite episodes for me. Um, and these are in no particular order. I'm just gonna—they just kind of came to me this way. But this one was my favorite when I was a kid. It was the one that I loved the most because it was so out there. Is Darmok,
3: <laughs> which is a Picard episode.
0: It it is. It is a Picard yeah. episode. But it's, uh-huh. it, but the the way it's shot, the idea, even though it doesn't really work if you think too much into it, is is amazing. Just thinking in metaphors sure. the whole time, yeah. right? Um. Mm-hmm. So Darmok was a great episode. Um, I Borg.
3: Okay. Is you know you don't see? I mean, you have obviously Picard's in there, but like that, I would say I Borg is a uh, data Jordy. That's, uh, that's 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 what yeah. Everly episode. Yes, right? yes, um,
0: it is. It is entirely a data driven episode. The same with Measure of a Man. That's which a, is
3: a Picard data. Data episode. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, it's about it's not the funny thing about major man. It's about data. But right, but, but data is actually takes a back seat to right. the journey that Picard takes between this antagonistic relationship with this this guy, the antagonist relationship with his old friend, the antagonistic relationship that he now has with Riker, like in the court, in the in the hearing, courtroom, whatever you want to call it. And then the idea that like he has to journey from like, what do I believe? Cause I, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I just know that I don't want to lose my officer to by the end of the episode, I have solidified a relationship with this, this person that I will now carry forward for the next, what now we know it to be three decades. Yes. Um, And, and that concept of like, that alone set the precedent for how he would to solve problems. Right?
1: Correct. But, but
3: now I think you can, you can nitpick that episode to death because like how, how ridiculous was some of the premises of that episode? I oh. do that for every episode of TNG, yeah. but the, the way that they said, look, I, I need to, to show you that this person is a person. How do I do that? And I love that the way that they really pitted him against Riker. Well,
0: agreed, uh, agreed. But, but I, when I watched that episode, or first remember really watching it to 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 digest Measure of a Man, I was mm-hmm. for one a Riker fan more than a Picard fan, and so two
3: he becomes the the antagonist for you. Yes, so.
0: yes, and I what really stuck with me was the growth of Data in that episode. While he kind of did play a backseat, he wasn't the. The real decision maker. Well, he, was, he
3: was the MacGuffin, right? Like yes. he was yes. the the thing that we were talking about, but he wasn't in every scene. I mean, no. the most poignant scene in that movie, I think we, oh, that movie. Sorry, my bad. The <laughs> most poignant thing in that episode that I think we can all talk, talk about yeah. is the, is the, you know, Picard Guinness scene where they basically sit there and have that back and forth around Man. what are, like, what are we talking about? It's that crucible context of like yes. we need to put everything in here and boil it down. What are we talking about? We're not talking about property. No, we're not. No. We're not talking about property. We're not talking about machine versus the flesh. We're talking about slavery. Yes. And and to have Whoopi Goldberg deliver the line about slavery, I didn't understand the context of that. N- neither
0: did I. As a, yeah. I
3: Ten years old, no. right? So I, I mean, I appreciated it. Like, oh, okay, yeah, it's slavery, bad, but. But then, to go back and see the work that she's done and to understand who she is as as an advocate and I, to see and to see her filmography and the yeah. things that she has written and now you you contextualize that that Patrick Stewart Whoopi Goldberg scene was actually not about data at all.
0: No, no, it wasn't
3: and and I think we all know and anyone who prefers Star Trek. Over Star Wars, for example, or Star Trek over Doctor Who, or Star Trek over any other like science fiction genre uh, um, entry, will will tell you that what makes Star Trek best is when it's commenting
1: on, on social. Today. Yeah,
3: yeah, and and the best Star Treks aren't the ones with the most phasers. Nope. Or not the ones with with crew X dies or oh they fight this monster and it's funny. No, it's it's when. It's when you can get that in a crucible and say, this, this is what's really happening. And, and that is why Trekkies, Trekkers will say, don't even ask me Star Wars or Star Trek. Yeah. Like, what do I want to go? What do I want to go see in a movie theater with some popcorn? Show me some lightsabers, baby. What do I want to watch on a Tuesday night when I've had a rough day at work and I need some context into my life? I'm going to watch the major of a man from yeah. season 2 of the next generation and i'm going to yeah. i'm going to go to bed optimistic that our our planet isn't doomed
0: correct yeah yeah that's that's what th- honestly that's when i was sitting down making this list cuz i'm excited to hear your top 5 as well um d- that's why darmok came to me so strongly is because it was one of those lessons man i remember being in middle school watching people talk past each other and and referencing that episode going oh oh they, they want to understand each other there is just a a, a a perception of way where they're coming like that 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 concept you watch it play out today you watch it with the with the the i mean online v- v- volatile discourse sure. just yeah. what's happening huh. this month is literally people only speaking in metaphor and people unwilling to see right away that metaphor is what is guiding them like
3: well and also talking to talk yeah writing to write and i i will own that for myself like i have often made a politically charged statement or a comment on a, a social media blog or post that wasn't to, that wasn't to change the blogger's mind it was right. to make sure that the world saw this point, right, and in a very real way that is, that is talking to talk, right, writing to write, um, and I think where you learn in Dharma, and I would even I would even say that like check out check out loud um, as a whisper the season two Ooh, episode, great, um, yes. you know the same theme where you can't truly communicate until you understand the context of who's communicating to you. Yeah. And, and I didn't understand that concept at all until I, until I started taking social justice classes in college. Sure. Like, and it, and it pers- you know, it, it encouraged me to go and get a minor because like I, wow. The idea that this person who looks different than me, isn't just different than me, but they are communicating to me through the lens of every shared experience that they have yeah. with the individuals who look like them
0: and look like me, and
3: through history. Yeah. Right. So, so I don't get to just say, Oh, you and I are having this conversation right here and right now. No, I have to view this conversation through the lens of how this person conceptualizes me today where I am now and, and their friends and family and their ancestors would have also conceptualize this conversation that is why that, that's dharmok right there like i don't yes. i don't understand what you're saying because your metaphor doesn't resonate with me i don't understand what you know um on the walls mean i don't understand what like when the walls fell like that that concept walls, of like you're on talking the ocean about something yeah you're talking about something i don't have any idea of yeah what would it be like well how if the dominant culture today understood That um, biracial, indigent, persons of color in this world are not just asking for things because it would be easier or better for them. But because for generations, for millennia on this planet, there's been a systemized, systemized subjugation. Yeah. And so I'm not I'm not asking you for a handout. I'm not asking you for your help. I'm not asking you for assistance or asking you just to listen. I'm asking you as a person who is likely right now under your foot to please kindly could you please kindly move your foot? Yeah. And and I think that more understanding of that that's actually what's happening would probably turn our world around, and and I really appreciate that you brought up Dharma because it is about communicating with people who you do not have a shared context with. Yes, but just because you don't have a shared context with them doesn't mean that you can then that you can't ask them. And it's taught me to ask people about their story. Yeah, right. To to to, you know, I I as I work with individuals who um we're not native to the United States. I, one of the things I will ask them and Lynn, listen, is when did your parents come here? Where are your parents from? What's it like in, in your state where you lived? Why do you remember coming here? And if so, can you, can you tell me a little bit about what that was like for you as a child? and I think getting people to talk about their experience that of course is a shared cultural experience. It's not shared with me. I'm a, um, I identify as, as a, a, a cisgendered male, um, who happens to be
0: Caucasian, <laughs>
3: yeah, Caucasian. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and of course, like, unfortunately, like not only my Caucasian, but I've, I'm like in my thirties, yeah. and i have and i have a means right and i'm college educated so so like right there i've already notched myself into the the 90th percentile and then i talk about being a homeowner you know i talk about being like a full-time job and i talk about like being you know owning yeah things and having children who also are in school like i'm not even going to pretend that i'm not like the person who has subjugated correct millennia of people So, and 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 I'm this is not like this is not a soapbox. I'm not talking about wokeness. I'm talking about like when we learn that the people who are working with us to communicate with us have a have a story that they share that we don't understand. And just because you listen doesn't mean you understand. I will never understand, but I'm going to listen. And I think that that's what you see Picard do for the first time. He understands. He's like, I don't, I don't know what that story is. But I'm going to do my best to communicate to you in your language. Right. So we can accomplish this goal. By and something
0: I, as simple as yeah. drawing in the sand.
3: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We, and, got, we got to find some common ground. Yeah. Or else I'm not going to make it.
0: Correct. With you. Well, and, yeah. and then, and, you know, for first, thank you for that uh, dialogue and that thought on. One the recogni- the recognizing of our privilege and where we sit, um, Like you said, it is it is an it is an epistemic fact. It is not something of I, I. When I heard you talking, I was not. I didn't hear you saying any aughts. I didn't hear you prescribing anything. You were epistemologically describing the state of being and and what it is and. And I guess that might be ontology, not epistemology, because it's okay. Ontology is being epistemology is knowing. So I guess you were describing it's that both,
3: you- Actually, because if you don't understand that this person has a lived experience that is valuable to you, then you are going to oppress them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and then you may not. And that's the funny thing, because I have I have family members who do not identify as racist. I have family members who do not identify as privileged. But they participate in systemic racism and they are extremely privileged. Yes. Right. And so and and the idea that they would say, well, I've never disrespected X, Y, Z because of their ethnicity or their gender, or their race. I would say, well, here's the fun fact you kind of have, because the way that you said that tells me that you do. Yeah. But the problem is you don't know that you do. Right. And that is and that yeah. is sort of at the core of of what you the what? word you use privilege right and that yeah. that knowledge gap that exists between us you and I in the ninetieth percentile of yeah. of of privilege and wealth and and of of whiteness I mean shit you're more white than I am
2: goddamn <laughs> like
3: <and> guess what <laughs> that we're both right there in terms yeah. of like oppressors and and that I think is one of the challenges and I think that's one of the reasons that Star Trek is communicating to every Level of society because because you will see equality, independence, um, the idea that like truth can be pursued but it is not known. Yeah, right. That like that you will explore the unknown. I mean, that's a metaphor in Star Trek to like ask ask people like what what's your story? I mean, there are episodes of Star Trek that aren't really about exploring space; they're actually about like. What the reunification of cultures. Well, you that's, know, that, like, that's
0: why I picked yeah. I, that's why I picked I Borg because yeah. because we're given it is the it is the opposite side of the paradigm of measure of a man, really, mm-hmm. because we're given we're given the view from the very beginning of next gen of what the Borg is. Q introduces us in the beginning. They're shrouded in mystery. And it is this thing that is so foreign and you learn more about it as the seasons go on and they get more and more volatile and all of a sudden we're confronted with this episode where now the crew is forced to see the humanity in Borg and you have to look past this notion of what they could be what you've experienced them to be without ever asking what they are right and and you're forced to kind of see the humanity in something that you don't how could you th- th- they're not human <laughs> you know it's, it's it's it is this paradox that um mm-hmm. that is is remarkably beautiful and i think that it is true that the people who watch and and absorb star trek for the purpose of understanding the show and the meaning of it um have less trouble with bottom-up logic you're, you, you know, anybody who doesn't want to ask those questions first, who wants to assume um, is coming from the top down. They already have their end goal set. They already have their notion made up. And it's harder for them to see something that doesn't fit their narrative versus trying to establish a narrative from all of the facts first and come to the conclusion at the end. It,
1: it,
0: that is what Star Trek every episode kind of teaches you almost is is. Hey, you may come into this episode with a preconceived notion, but we're going to give you a bunch of stuff counter to that, and realize that you should have just paid attention to the episode, not made up your mind in the beginning. Make up your mind at the end, like you—you may—you will be wrong. Riker and in, in 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 Darmok, everybody sitting on that bridge when Picard went down to the planet, everybody on that bridge was frustrated. They were trying to talk. They were wrong. They were trying to do maneuvers and send out something and avoid tractor beams and do all of these subversive maneuvers to best the other ship that is just sitting there when, and all, all the communication was futile. They, they didn't, it, 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 I don't know. It, it means, it means a lot. And every time I watch it, every time with new social commentary, with new views, my own, Morals and epistemology changing as as I grow every time I watch an episode every time I go to find that calm down from a Tuesday that sucked um, Every it they just mean a little more and a little different every time
3: I was today years old When I thought about iBorg As not about This coming of age you make friends with the enemy episode, but I thought about it from the lens of here is a white perceived victim. Yeah. Middle aged of privileged and powerful man who for the first time in his life comes face to face with the culture who has victimized him. Mm-hmm. And as that response becomes ingrained like it's callous, it's dismissive. Yes, it is. It's, it's racist. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs>
0: bigoted. It's, at least bigoted. It's, yeah.
3: It's it's targeted and it's specific. And then over the course of just listening to the individuals who know them best. Yep. To the individual himself who comes and dialogues and shares just Two things about yeah, himself. Yeah. I don't want to go back to them. And I, I, I have a name like, and so I'm, we're talking about like the bare basic oh. things of who makes a person
1: when he, you I have a name
3: that. And so here's this white privileged. Dare I say bigoted. Assaulted and victimized. Who has to come to terms that that perception is inherently flawed, yeah, is wrong and needs adjustment. And then by the end of our forty five minutes, of course, we see this catharsis, right? The idea oh. that like, you know what? I
0: he calls him by his name.
3: I was wrong. I thought this, and now I think this. yeah. now, now the of course, we start our deals in extremes, right? Should this person, live should this person die should this person be a, an instrument of death and destruction to their entire society or should this person just resume their life I, I'm not saying that any of that is is um, equatable uh, contemporaneously well, I, what I will say is that that tone of that episode resonates with me because who is Picard he is well the star of the show but he's also the one we look up to
1: Exactly. The
3: one that is supposed to teach us the moral center of yes, ourselves. Yes. And in that moment, we see well, ugliness turn to compassion.
0: I don't think he's only supposed to teach us. I think he, I think Picard is kind of written as the mirror reflection of the morality we should see, right? Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the ideal morality. Yes. Right? Yes. So yes. Have, every character has not only a tragic flaw, but like a... a a um, you know, some aspect of their personality that is uh, laudable, commendable, commendable. Right. So you have um, loyal, brave, strong character. You have empathic, compassionate, listening, Troy, supportive character. You have childlike, naive, questioning, and and or like ruthless. Yeah. Yeah, and so, and then you, of course you have the the one that ties all of those stereotypes together. Is the, the white guy? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he's white. But I will say, you know, it's the it's the wisdom. Yes, it's the it's the you know that understanding that that I will say knowledge, integrity. Because I think if there's one thing that we can say that that character is integrity, integrity right but when you see the tragic flaw inherent in that character hatred of the ones who have wronged him disrespect of an entire culture Mm -hmm. and that that refusal to listen that when you see like the idea he says it in the first like act why didn't you let it die
0: Yes. Yes. It. Right. It. And and there is a big distinction in that episode. It is it for so long. Mm -hmm. Then it is him. It moves from it to him to Mm -hmm. his name.
3: Yeah. And if you just were to freeze that moment, why didn't you let it die? At what point in the prior four and a half seasons did you ever hear anything like that out of his mouth? Right. But now you understand this is the first time he's come face to face with his antagonizer. The first time that he's experienced this culture who has wronged him. Yeah. And because it's one of their species, they deserve to be left for dead. Right. And they are its and they are nameless and they are only suitable for targeting. Let's come up with a virus that will murder this species. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess we're dealing extremes, but isn't that exactly what's happening?
0: It's hundred percent. For the last
3: 70 years.
0: In America. In yeah.
2: Agriculture,
3: yeah. The, the, I am going to otherize you because of a perceived wrong.
0: That's redlining to the T.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean t- we
3: could t- God we can spend 2 hours talking about Iborg versus the other you know episode. I am curious what you have on your Oh
0: uh, uh, so so episode. so so the last two um one is a really fun one. It's Phantasms, the Halloween <laughs> episode with the Troy cake. The Troy cake, man.
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have studied a lot of psychology and I will tell you that everything <laughs> covered in that episode is is your like psychology 80 course Yeah, at like community college. Oh yeah. <laughs> there is absolutely no intelligent conversation associated with the psychology of a person, but I do appreciate that you seek some character growth in our, you know, one of our main uh, protagonists. So that's good. And it's funny sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, th- and then the, my, the last one, which I go to, it, it was such a pivotal one for me sure. is best of both worlds.
3: Riker episode. Both Riker episodes. Yes. How how do you how do you fill the shoes yeah. of greatness? How do you ascend to authority while
0: disregarding
3: what was before, but you also have to take into it what was before? I think that for the last four years, our country has been bereft. Of mm-hmm. any of the lessons that Riker learned over the course of that episode, and, idea-
0: and uh, yeah, so that was that was the very last episode of season three, the best of both worlds, part one, coming yeah. into the end of that, which was season four, episode mm-hmm. one, uh, which we were. I know. Oh, I know. I was kind of saying <laughs> okay. that for for the listener out there.
3: Fair enough. Fair enough. I would hope that your your Trek fan listener uh, would know that the best of both worlds is is seen by by. Many people as the, the best episodes yeah. of, of a series. Um, but really what those episodes are about, of course, is um, loss, mm-hmm. fear, um, sacrifice. Yeah. Like, how, how do you let go of the thing that you love most and maintain who you are as a person? Well, and even and, have to grow from it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then of course, and then what, what made that episode, of course, transcendental in the history of Star Trek was consequences that followed our heroes forever. Yeah. There was not an episode that you could then watch after that and not think that our characters were not scarred, marred. By the events of that episode. We, we just talked uh, about it for, for, for 20 minutes. Correct, um, correct. How Picard was changed, right?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you saw it in 8, 9, and 10, and you also saw it in the new Picard series. Uh, you That scarring is apparent and written into that.
3: I, uh, I applaud your list, sir. And Phantasms, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That one is a fun one. I, I really enjoyed the Halloween episodes, the Christmas episodes, those kind of the the themed. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the 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 fun that the show, the cast was willing to have with us. Okay, what's last your night, five? Uh,
3: last night I this is not on my top five, but last night I watched Up the Long Ladder. The the season 2 episode yes. that was basically sending the clones. And and uh, you know, you have that 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 backwards human <laughs> Irish racist crap that we're gonna put these people down because they all have accents and mm-hmm. they off the land. But the the comedy of let's let's mix this culture with the advanced technologically superior, <laughs> and now you guys back with each other. Yeah. I mean the undertone of like the ridiculousness. Um, like that I, I know exactly what you're talking about. The fun episodes are the one that sometimes take you, and they're escapism, right? I don't watch one
0: hundred percent.
3: I want to escape. I don't watch the Major of the Man because I want to see, no. like the silliness that happens in a courtroom. I want to watch phantasms, yeah, because I want to see what happens when when Data answers a telephone in his.
1: <laughs> oh no, man! Yes, yes.
3: You want to hear my five favorite Star Trek yeah, off, the, off, the, off
0: the top of your head, man?
3: All right, so in no order, um, I really love the the time-bending episode, uh, Yesterday's Enterprise. Oh, yes. uh, Because it really sets up uh, that that plot um, of a character can be gone, but then be back. I mean, it was a little soap operatic, but at the same time, that's what science fiction is. It's using science... To generate a better fiction story mm-hmm. so that when we next meet our, our heroes, they've been affected by what's happened before. And I think that's what made season three, um, I would say, one of the best, if not the best.
0: Season, season three is probably my favorite season, Yeah, I think.
3: Um, uh, in the Pale Moonlight is Ooh. an absolute exploration of the, the depths by which a person will go to to realize an objective that has a an, an absolute positive gain but a morally reprehensible yes. path to
1: yes yes
3: and to any star trek fan who does not identify in the pale moonlight as one of their like most intense episodes that they've ever watched i think would really um hasn't needs to watch it again.
0: Well, they need to watch it again and maybe try and actually relate um right. because because I think I think what that episode that was that was close to really being in my in my top five because uh, to have to actually envision yourself <laughs> going, sure. against, yeah. going against going against the the fiber of you. Because I mean that is the ultimate sacrifice, is it not? Personal, uh, yeah, yeah, because, forgiving.
3: Because at that point, our our protagonist had lost his partner. Yep. Right. Um, lost dozens, if not hundreds, of of People. friends. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, had had watched his home be taken, taken over. Um. And had to had to risk everything to take it back. Right. Had had given everything he had. And had still not found any measure of of success. And now we're to the point where we have to trust and rely on a very sketchy person.
2: Yeah.
3: To help us get our 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 ends met, right? And and our end goal requires sacrificing people
0: sacrificing yourself
3: and, and and what comes out at the end sure we got a nice outcome for the world but not a good outcome for self no, and yeah. so that and that and that kind of resonates with me because i i appreciate that there are some choices that we all make in our our day-to-day lives that are not about us correct that they can't, they're not even remotely about us no. right they're about the people we care most about. And if we don't make that choice, we could stand to lose what we care most about and and maintain our integrity? Yeah. So what's that worth? Right? So so I you know, I'm back and forth. Um, did he do the right thing? I think everyone would say yes. Did he do the morally responsible thing? No. 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 And I think when when you when you break from your established values, you lose a part of yourself.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think that's what the show does so well. You see it with everybody. You follow Worf's story, and he loses quite a part of himself in those episodes. Um, you, You really watch character development over the series um and i think they i think it lends a, a comfortable shoulder to cry on more or less in the recognition that hey at some point we're all gonna have to give up a part of ourselves for the betterment of everyone around us yeah be comfortable with it move on from it everybody moves on from it it's painful but necessary
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a deep one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't watch it. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like you know, you get you get through the show and it's next, and you're like, I don't.
2: Yeah, it's don't it's hard like
3: watching this hard. one, and it's and, really and that's just because of like what it what it represents for you. Like, and I think that anyone who who really who really kind of lives a lot of the 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 values that that Star Trek teaches, there are episodes that are hard to watch.
0: Well. There's parts and of life that are hard to watch.
3: I'll throw Code of Honor out there Code. as an episode that I don't watch. That's because it's everything about that episode goes against.
0: That's why I didn't put what, it on my list.
3: Well, well, I'm sure I'm glad you didn't put Code of Honor on your list of five favorite episodes. Thank you, but I will say that like I don't, I don't watch that episode. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't connect with me as responsible television. None of it. Anyway, uh one episode that is on my list is a major man like yourself. Major and we, we yep. talked about that at length. Um, so I'm glad you picked that one. I really like Year of Hell. <laughs> and, and here's what's funny about Year of Hell for me. Like the fact that you will see our heroes go from like the best of times to the worst of times. And then you ask the question, what's worse than this? right okay so so so-and-so dies right and -and so-and-so's maimed so-and-so's gone like these characters are never going to see each other again never and and then of course one of the main characters of the entire show the ship is unrecognizable Mm -hmm. it represents sort of like you can lose and lose and lose and keep losing and i think One thing that stands out for me in that episode, in Year of Hell, is that that idea that we must persevere, we must go on, we don't give up, and 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 it becomes personal at some point. It's like, well, you could just give up, you could. It's not giving up; it's preservation. Just go, just well, go chill, go
0: hide. And not only that, but in Year of Hell, who in the in the, the 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 ramp up in nearing the climax of that that episode. Who is it that is really actually pushing for the continue and persevering is the leak likes the least likely of character you would think would be in that position to say, hey, let's keep sure. going, yeah. right? Yeah. It is it is not your your upfront and bold characters. It is it is the support crew that's going, wait, why are we why are we here right You've now? We've come this
3: far. Yeah. I'm not gonna quit now. Yeah. I've lost I lost dozens of friends. And my We've ship. lost chunks of the ship. We've gone this far. I'm never going to see these people again. Ever. <laughs> but let's you know, let's keep going. Um, I us. also like that that for the first time, and I mean, this is you know maybe I don't know this, is, you know you have this you have this voyage <laughs> um, that is interrupted by these two episodes right yes and the two episodes represents 300 plus days right of the show that would be an entire season we've condensed an entire season into the span of of 90 minutes it's it's it blew my mind when i saw it for the first time well and
0: yeah and then for like the fifth or sixth time you watch those two you're Mm -hmm. going you watch a jump in time happen Mm -hmm. And you, you have to contextualize, wait, they're in this state now, 90 days, a hundred days just passed from the last scene to this scene. And, uh, all of a sudden you have to be okay with things are way worse off than they were 10 seconds ago.
3: Like, and it's, you get some shock value, but you get shock value. Get there's There's. Seventy more minutes of this episode.
0: Your heart you breaks.
3: Things. Brace yes. yourself, because yeah. it ain't done. No, someone's about to get blown up. Someone's about to get maimed. Someone's about to basically well, like
0: they, they
3: deviate from their norm.
0: Well, and they did it. You know, there was there was a definite homage to Dante in that episode. You, sure. yeah. the, the the seven circles were real, um, uh, and and unforgiving, and I think it. It is part of the reason you alluded to already why Trekkies will, no doubt, say Trek over Star Wars every time is because of all of the greatness of Star Wars. Nothing there. There's nothing Star Wars can give that is just those two episodes. Yeah, worth Star of, Wars
3: gives us a really nice tale told over two now almost two and a half generations of good versus evil. Right, I'm not going to argue that, right? And how evil can corrupt good and how good can triumph over evil and how the power of friendship, teamwork, and camaraderie is sometimes worth more than victory. Yeah. I, I don't have a whole lot of other themes.
0: No. Other than, There's you know, not really social Sacrifice commentary. yourself
3: to save your family. I mean, that kind of comes up a little bit later. Sacrifice yourself to save the next generation. Yeah. You see that repeat a couple times in Star Wars. But I'm not seeing the change your philosophy on the universe. Yeah. And be forever scarred by that <laughs> so that we can move forward. Correct. And achieve something collectively.
0: Yes agreed
3: no i see a lot of like rags to riches stories yeah Get, there are no rags to riches stories in star trek don't tell me wesley's a rags to riches i'm sorry neelix no. is not a rags to riches okay they're riches to a little bit more richer
0: i never liked night or uh, liked neelix to begin with
3: yeah he's in the year of hell a lot though i will say that
0: yes he is
3: yes he is um but
0: uh yeah not not one of my favorite characters um i think you have two more
3: do i i think i was four Oh but yeah! Oh, you're right. You're
0: uh, right. That was four. You're right.
3: Um, I'll I'll give you Relics, oh. uh, season five, yep. episode of Next Gen. Um, what I really appreciate about Relics is you get Jimmy Duane in there. Um, well, I I don't know if that was the last time we ever saw him on on film. Um, it might if be. It wasn't. I I can't think of a time we saw him again. I oh, Generations. He was in Generations. Um, so I apologize to Jimmy Duane family out there, but um. But you know, you you have this character now who who we now believe will have new adventures, right? And a lot of people believe that Scotty is um he's the everyman of the show, of the of the ship, right? Because you have you have Bones, who's the yin and the yang, you have Spock, who's the foil, you have you have Kirk, who's the the alpha, right, and the decider and um The, you know, the Lothario. Yeah. But, but who else do you, I mean, you have, you have, you have our everyman. You have, you have Scotty who doesn't work on the bridge. He has a a regular person job. Yeah. He doesn't go on all the away missions, but yet he saves the ship more times than Spock does. You know,
0: that's why Geordi is probably my, my top. He's in my top three for sure.
3: And, and guess who's in that episode? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have your two every men. Um, you ha- you know you have you have one who is you know overcome extreme hardship in life to get to where he is. Correct. and you have the other person who is a man out of time who has no purpose and function anymore. Yeah, and that the idea that they have to come together to save the day, I think is pretty fun. And then and then when that when that episode ends, for me, um that's kind of where Scotty's story begins because I had consumed every minute of Star Trek prior Uh to that. Right. But so like nothing was new for me, but there, you know, in the, uh, what I'll call expanded universe, right. The the sort of non-canonized expanded universe. Um, we see Scotty have adventures. Yes, he does. We, we see, uh, you know, elderly, um, you know, Captain Scott go on to, to, to connect up with friends that he'd lost and, and, and adventures. And I, to me, that's just like, yeah, it's almost like a, what do they call it? A a backdoor pilot, right? Like a backdoor Mm -hmm. pilot for the Scotty show, um, where they send him off in the shuttlecraft. Spoiler alert. um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: uh, Hey, if, if, if if it's, (laughs) you got, you know, it's been fucking 30 goddamn year. Like it's been, it's been long enough. I I haven't seen next gen
3: and you haven't watched uh, relics. You need to watch that episode. And here's another thing I liked about relics. Um I read about a Dyson sphere. Yeah. Before I ever saw that episode. The really? idea the concept that if you that the the, the highest form of society mm-hmm. could be to harness the power of the ultimate fusion reactor. Yeah. Right? If you could find a way to do that. You you would I mean, you would be gods, right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. and, and and to create this device that can orbit about a star <laughs> and contain all of that star's energy. I yeah. yeah. Um, there were, gosh, I was at it was like three, four years ago that um I was reading. Oh, the, read.
0: people saw the weird glitching star exactly. from way out in the back. In yeah, the-
3: you know what I'm talking about. Yes. That that there was a mysterious celestial event in a solar system, millions of light, miles away, light, light, years. light years away. Yeah. And for the first time in many, many years, celestial scientists did not know what they were looking
0: at. Well, yeah, they and were getting. They, was, for context, they were getting. They were they were had been monitoring this star or body of a you know solar system. They've been monitoring a star basically, and the light from yeah. it, and it began dimming far more than we could calculate any amount of planets passing in front yeah. of it could okay. dim it.
3: I mean, you would you would you would have to have passed the the mass of 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 a thousand stars. Yeah, right to pass in front of this to to dim that light. So so what could it be? But right like I,
0: also it was doing it at a rate that was yeah. irregular for anything that could be a natural orbit or speed passing in front of it. It was dimmed for far too long for I'm, something I, to transient it
3: and you know so and I, I, maybe I don't know how much that that story got to the level of mainstream consumption. I was consuming that story <laughs> months before I saw it on the news, yes, right but the idea that like, well, we don't think that it's extraterrestrial life, but we can't say for sure it's not, right? Because we can't tell you that this isn't some galactic construction project making a dice. Because scare. if you yeah. told me it was a galactic construction project, I could prove to you that it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're just gonna go on the precip- the principle that I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> But it's not a planet. <laughs>
1: yeah, no shit. <laughs> so,
3: and I, you know, obviously it's we're great. not talking about a Dyson sphere. But like, anyway, so yeah. I, I like relics. I didn't I didn't love it for the science fiction, but I loved it for the character development. Mm-hmm. It was only in the, you know, 2010s and 2018 or whatever that I, I appreciated that story for, for what it was. For the, and, yeah. and I took a lot of Astro in college. Um, and I, at one point had thought about being an astrophysics major. And then my friend who's an astrophysics major, um, had to take way more hard classes than I wanted to take. Uh. So I was not about to declare for astrophysics. And in fact, I didn't even, I didn't take any more astro after that, but no learning about the concept of of a Dyson sphere was hilarious because I was like, Oh, this is from star Trek. Well, no, actually Dyson sphere theory existed long before relics was written so so i think there's five and yeah, um that's a pretty i pretty inappropriately chose list. extra next gen episodes um and uh i you know i'll, I'll give us some shout outs i'll give a shout out to let that be your last battlefield um I'll oh, give yeah. a shout out to uh far beyond the stars um and uh i obviously best of both worlds so i'm glad you brought that up um and and i do like all good things and i think oh. that one of the reasons i appreciate about all, all good, good things, things is the movie it's the movie that we needed but yes it's not it the movie that we got yep it's the send off that i wanted but it's not the send off that we got because because when you look at the um braga more you know what they kind of came up with at the end <sighs> from generations well, i i liked every scene but i didn't like what I was watching
1: yeah. um
0: how do you wrap it up though? How do you how do you successfully yeah, do I, it? I think
3: it's the perfect I think it's yeah. I think I think if you want to look at uh Sopranos, Lost, Seinfeld, um Friends, you know, you talk about every you know, TV show that was generation defining Breaking um, Bad Breaking Breaking Bad wasn't even a great finale. It was like that was like a, it wasn't even a good episode. That's when
0: yeah, that's yeah.
3: So the idea that like this this is what I want in my series wrap up. Okay, um, original series didn't get one. Nope. Uh, I really obviously the other shows that had a, a set time did have one, and and I would stack all good things um, next to the others. But you know, and then when they when when Enterprise botched theirs, oh. and that was the last Star Trek we had for decade. Anyway, an episode anyway. yeah, 15 years. That that left a sour taste in my mouth. And no, I did not appreciate the the next-gen callback, by the way. I know. Uh, we're going to have to do another podcast about just that episode. But we I did. Uh, what happened with uh, All Good Things was not only did you have a, a send-off for every member of the crew in some way, shape, or form. But you had a callback to the first episode mm-hmm. and you don't get that. Right. Um, because of the, the, the episodic nature of TV being what it was. And by the time that, that, that uh, DS nine and Voyager were ending, I mean, you, I mean, you weren't really going to call back to the first episode. Um, but uh, you know, is it, is it a perfect finale? No, I don't know. Is it, is it everything I wanted and I have no feedback? Yes. Yes.
0: Well, i i would I would agree. It is, it is the best TV finale of a series that we've give, been ever been given.
3: Frazier, cheers. Nah, they weren't that good. No. Sign, it was, I, it was sign, a sappy, you know.
0: Sign sign was. The court case was funny. It was that,
3: silly, you know, and it, it gave us essentially what uh, all good things was giving us. We're gonna we're gonna bring in a lot, a lot of, of
0: kickbacks. Fans. Yeah.
3: We're getting a lot of, you know, whatever. If you're not a fan of the show, you're not going to appreciate this. But then we got a, you know, then we got a song montage. Right? We got a, we you know, I, what? I don't believe that the, the, the adventures of, of Jerry, George, Elaine, and, and Kramer no. they, are continuing, right? I don't believe that yeah. that's going well for them. I believed at the end of All Good Things that my heroes were going to be on again next week in some galaxy. I just wasn't going to get to watch it, but they were out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So great. um, Great point. And how how old was I? I was, you know, I was 15 ish, Mm -hmm. you know, I was old enough to comprehend, you know, things ending and things changing and, and, and lives going on. Um, Did you feel lost? Did you feel, did you, when you were that, I felt, no, I felt a sense of completion. Okay. I wasn't interested in watching next gen more and more and more. Right. Uh, I was ready um, to really transition to, yeah. to mine. So, so that's, that's, that's
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, I, I didn't get it in time. I wasn't, I wasn't sure. current in that. So all of mine was post hoc. Um, and, yeah. and in that way, I found a little more solace in it because it was at my time scale, not the timescale dedicate, you know, dedicated by the way the episodes were released and their their formatting. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't at the whim of TV programming, um, so that was nice. Okay, hey, r- here we go. Are, are you, you good? Got, are you I know we're at, I know we're getting close.
3: We're at two I'm not, hours. I'm on time crunch. That's what you're asking.
0: Okay, good, good because i didn't want to have to crunch anything um okay so so let's go in quick what are what are some of your kind of uh, uh frustrating hang-ups of 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 trek because i have some like like there's you know dialogue in some shows just some parts you know phantasms is one while it was kind of a funny episode. Dialogue is just kind of unforgiving in that episode. Sure. Yeah, uh-huh. um, you know the fact that they can come up with a lot of tech, a lot of names for things, but yet they're elevators or turbo lifts. You know, there are things like yeah. that that just kind of stick in my gut. And every time I'm, we're looking at a, a view of the bridge, every elevator is plastered with a placard that says turbo lift on it like like that the people on the enterprise would need to know the brand it's like they're looking at otis elevators in in mm-hmm. any ele, you know or escalators like you I, I wouldn't think they would need to know the brand of the elevator sure the lift in their ship like
3: so you're asking me what my what my star trek hangups are
0: yeah yeah here's one. i'll give you one more of mine yeah. wharf right. wharf changing the, the his physical presentation through all of the seasons, he never looked the same. He is not this Worf is not the same guy in season seven as he was in season one.
3: Well, you can make the case that Riker and Data and Geordi weren't either.
0: Well, but they grew facial hair. the The, the formation of his skull didn't oh, okay. change.
1: You're talking about like a physiological <laughs> yeah, yeah. All
3: so right. that was a couple. I, I, I mean, yeah. I, I so when they obviously when they rebooted Worf, um, in uh. In season four of uh, DS Nine, the the decision was okay. What Worf has looked very different over the years, so the decision was made to use the the movie Worf. Like we're right. just going to use him in his most recent configuration, and we're not going to use the molds and the latex and the hair pieces that we used in seasons one through three, and then this mold from seasons four, five, and six. So I, I mean. I I so the funny thing is is like I can forgive that stuff because it's not writing. Okay. Like like nobody wrote in an episode and Worf's forehead changed.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. okay.
3: You know, okay. No This is why we're explaining why you know Data doesn't have those greenish eyes and now they're gold, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or why his skin his skin
0: tone is different.
3: Extremely. White has kind of turned into more of a, a softer gold, right? Or the fact that his hair changed, or why he would even remotely look different in a film, yeah. than he did in the show. Now, if they a writer had attempted to show in an episode, well, data is going to grow over time, just like just like people would. I'd be like, that's dumb, okay? Because there's some things I will suspend disbelief for. Mm-hmm. What I abhor, is writing. Episodes, production of episodes, production of dialogue or character arcs that blatantly contradict.
0: Yeah. Dialogue decades, is the worst for me. Yeah.
3: Decades of established lore. Give me a couple. Well, um, my least favorite episode of Star Trek is threshold where you see the warp 10 barrier. Oh, rank. Yes. And so the idea that like all of a sudden this logarithmic warp scale that we've had since 1987 and we're going to go to warp 9.98, 9.91 I mean the idea that like you you can't really get to warp 10 because that warp 9.999
0: repeating yeah
3: is 9000 times faster than warp 9 and all of a sudden, they're like, "Well, warp 10. And so, what does warp ten mean? Of course, well, it means you're everywhere. Well, that that doesn't resonate with me. Like, I, you're not everywhere. or are you inside the heart of a black hole? Like, right. are, are you are you occupying all places in space time? I mean, I, they've they've established that like there are layers of subspace that you can't go to. Yeah. So, I guess you didn't go that fast, now, did you? Mm. And so, well, then, what happens when you go warp ten? You somehow turn into a salamander. So I <laughs> hate that, um, and I'm I'm really glad that they almost like decanonize it. Right? There's actually no to have that episode uh, in your in your watch. Um, let's see. I uh, I really don't like a good sec a good percentage. Of uh, season one of Discovery, sure. I think that um, one of the things that really bothers me is the flippant use of technology. Oh, that you would you would say, well, then wait a minute. Like Enterprise did this right. Like we're going to show the development of our society to get to the point where where we are in the twenty third and twenty fourth century. And I feel like our twenty second, twenty third century. Star Trek Discovery, I think it's twenty-third century. You know, it, it seems like things come a little bit easier than they ought to. We're gonna beam from you know, one planet, you know, to the ship to the planet. we're really far away. We're gonna we're gonna take this shuttle craft across the, the cosmos and make this little ship get to the big ship. Um you know, I, I did appreciate the science fiction element of like we're gonna find a new uh new method of propulsion. I I'm all for that. What I'm not for is the concept that like well, we've 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 got all these other things going for us. You know, right. we're gonna we've got these these weapons that look like they're, you know, set in the future of the twenty fourth century. We've got these, you know, these officers that have don't appear that they've ever actually like gone to the same Starfleet Academy that every single other officer has ever gone to. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, you know, and so there's a lot of things I, I'm not saying I nitpick out of discovery. It's just like some things take me out of the show. Was it kind of, a?
0: well, sorry, sorry. I was gonna say, was it kind of a bit of the same thing that maybe Phantom Menace did to some Canon introducing midichlorians when it wasn't needed that those kind of writing changes that, didn't propel story but just confused other parts
3: well uh one of the nice things about phantom menace is that i appreciated that the idea that we are rebooting to some extent like our, our universe like we're showing a, a bigger slab of it and in addition to that bigger slab we're, we're trying to explore the mythos of like what is this you know- mysticism I'm not saying that they did it right. And I'm not saying I I liked their solution or like trying to find some sort of a scientific solution to.
0: You don't think Discovery was doing that, though?
3: I think Discovery was playing fast and loose. Mm. Okay. The rules of Star Trek. Right. I don't think the Phantom Menace plays fast and loose with the rules of Star Trek or Star Wars. You're right. I think that the Phantom Menace is just, you know, giving us what things used to be like. And and then we're gonna tell the story of these, these two Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Um, who in during their encounters encounter some 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 evil shit. Right. And uh yeah, and then there's this, you know, kid and queen and this clown and you know, <laughs> all sort of like uh it all kind of comes together. And then by the end of the, the end of the movie, we've we've got exactly where we need to be. We've got this person with this person. You're right. That's all we need, right? and I think discovery. Is 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 not operating on the same principle. We're not okay. we're not prequel, and that's one of the challenges about Discovery. It actually is a prequel, but they're not treating it like a prequel. They're no, treating they're it not. like a show. You're right. And I don't like Picard.
1: Ah,
0: I know.
3: And here's what I don't like about Picard. It's not Picard. I mean, he's he's himself. I mean, he's a man who's retired. He's a gentleman. He's a scholar. He's a he's a warrior. He's a poet. He's a he's a vineyard owner what i what i don't like about the card is that i've watched this show for 30 30 some years now yeah and uh the the star the starfleet the star trek that i'm watching it doesn't line up with what i remember from even even star trek 10 the last time i checked in with these characters yeah i don't I don't believe that this attack, this this terrorist act, this this thing that would, would hurt so many and, and, and decimate you know our, our fleet or whatever would somehow change our our heroes at their core. I agree. I I, I don't like that like the we have to somehow violate the, the 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 principles of Starfleet to go and do this thing that yeah. ought to be done.
0: Yeah, it was right. Ta- I don't. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it was hard for me to see obvious moral considerations being taken by Picard in the new one that you know, it, you know, he would have never thought twice about that in the TNG or the movies, like he it it was some appeals to emotion not appeals to reason you Mm -hmm. saw you saw a i i get they were trying to make a broken man have to play this part i get that i just Mm -hmm. think that they they broke they they broke him to a point that was unrecognizable
3: there was too much of the angsty picard
0: yeah indecisiveness right
3: and 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 I don't believe that his being jaded about what Starfleet did to him Mm. or about anything else that happened since since the last movie would have made him that person. I I don't think retirement has made him a, a darker person. Right. I don't appreciate that he doesn't have any real friends. I don't appreciate that the the land that he retired to is so out of connection and that the way that starfleet behaves
0: well i would have i would have definitely thought you know mm-hmm. his close i mean riker and data
2: mm-hmm.
0: it doesn't seem like they would ever have let that stop right but yet it stopped
3: well i i mean you've got Let's say twenty years of people being on a crew together, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Riker's not going to be the first officer of a ship. I mean, we see that at the end of the, the series. Of course, he's and, You know, is Troy going to be a, a lieutenant commander counselor? No, she's going to go off and, and be a family lady. I, you know, Data is data stories data story and and then Worf did Worf things and, and Geordi presumably is doing Geordi thing I mean they're not the same crew I mean we'll get that like if they I would say if they were the same crew I would have found just as much wrong with that as anything else I think it's one of the challenges in uh, uh, the later Star Trek movies is like I don't believe for a minute that in Star Trek 5 they're all on the same ship like come on they're all they're all mm-hmm. like 55 years old like half of them would be retired and the other half would have been like you know Com- senior, senior commanders. Like, yeah. you don't think a her would have had her own ship? Of
0: course. Shit.
3: <laughs> of course. So, um, so I, I mean, that's one of the the suspension of disbelief things about the Star Trek movies. And then, and then I think that when it comes to Picard, like the fact that it all moved on was fine. Um, I, I liked the introduction, a reintroduction of of characters. Um, I did not appreciate the villains and their motivations. I did not appreciate the way that all the Starfleet ships looked the same. I mean, that's one of the cool things about Star Trek is like, we have cool ships. All right. I, I like that. Yeah. Amish guy. I don't like it at the end of that, that episode, the final episode of season one, you see all these Starfleet ships and they all, they all look like they came out of the replicator together. Like, so you got like ten thousand new officers crewing one ship, and then you just cloned it. Like I don't, I don't understand. And then of course you get like you know, Riker doing Riker things is cool, right? But like at the same time, do I do I need that to be Riker? Like where where's the most senior commander in the fleet? Yeah. Like, right, why don't we have another guy? And then uh, you know I like the mythos of the Romulans and sort of like the, the post apocalyptic Romulans, but I, sure. I didn't appreciate that that the Borg story arc had anything to do with anything. It what shouldn't did that have. have. To, yeah. What did that have to do with anything? I, I feel like we were watching two different shows. Like Agreed. what, what, what did her journey to the Borg ship have anything to do with her exploration of her identity as an Android? Um, Now, if you can explain that to me, then I, I, I will defer to your Star Trek wisdom, but at the same time, like I, I feel like they're just, what should we have in a cool show? We should have a Borg ship. Oh, we should have Romulans. We should have androids. We should have androids and Brett Spiner's back as a guy who makes androids. Yeah. Okay. But they didn't check a lot of boxes, but none of them were checked in a way that that matched.
0: And we got no Ferengi, so thanks.
3: My bad. (laughs) Uh, Stay tuned for season two, maybe, huh?
0: Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I was I was gonna uh, actually just kind of parrot your point. Is it did just feel like let's bring Borg in for Borg's sake because someone will. Oh, that's familiar. That's what it felt I, like. Man. Yeah.
3: Interesting. Um. So oh. and obviously, I I. So, so obviously, so the re- what I call like the new, new, new starter, N- new like new metal, right? There's a callback for you, like new metal is <laughs> yeah. new Trek, right? So we've got we've got disco, we've got lower decks, we've got the car, and we have no movies. So, so you're pouring all of your budget and resources for like these these feature film type budgets for cast and crew and special effects into these uh, micro seasons of Trek. And then charging people to watch it, which is obviously very different. I mean, it, it's taken me three years to to get my head around that idea that like if I want Star Trek, I gotta I gotta pay for it. But you know what? I paid for Star Trek Eight, so I is that different? I mean, right. I don't know. Right. Like I, I I've been paying for Star Trek since I I went I went to see Generations in the theater. Does mm-hmm. that mean that like it's abhorrent to pay for Star Trek? I think we all pay for our. Our media in one way, shape, or form or the other. And I've bought every single series of Star Trek I can find on DVD in the years. So I don't know how many dollars I dropped on four seasons of Enterprise, but it was more than the show was worth. uh, (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's a good one. Yeah.
3: The things that I don't love are that they seem to be just sort of like casting off a lot of what makes Star Trek Star Trek. We spent an hour and a half talking about some of the the core issues that Star Trek really brings up. Humanity. Um, and, equality. And, I, and it would be really hard to go and, and watch an arc of um, a Discovery or, or, or season one of Picard and, and find something in those episodes that holds a candle to Darmok agree to, to let that be your best battle last battlefield to to we're we're, we're going to salvage you know characters yeah. yeah and teach them a lesson and have that lesson also teach the viewer a lesson well, the, the lesson i learned in watching a card was you should murder these people if they don't if they stand in your way
0: and don't get old
3: and And then when you get to your end location, do crazy shit yeah, and forget all the reasons that you went there in the first place. And don't worry. Your old friend is going to bail you out with a fleet of ships. just happens to look like nothing you've ever seen before. And, uh, oh yeah. And old friends are just going to show up because of reasons. Right. I, I don't know. Um, it was disappointing. Oh yeah, and uh, heaven forbid you be uh, a character that was beloved because you might get murdered. I, Picard is the uh, is the answer to oh my gosh, my favorite movie is Star Trek Generations.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, good
0: point. Yeah, yeah. If that's your, if that's the epitome of Star Trek for you, then Picard's the answer to that, right? That, yeah,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. I just loved the way that, like, we killed off the most beloved character, and yeah. I love the way that this ship exploded and people died. Yeah, oh, and I really like the way that Picard saved the day all by himself right. and doing non Picardy things. And here's a villain who's like, you know, megalomaniac caricature of anyone we've ever seen before. Who has to be like hell bent on one thing and one thing only, and there's no other way to achieve that thing? Sure. Let's make a whole series about that and then sell it to the <laughs> audience. But I will say this: good budget.
1: Yeah, great good acting. Great.
3: I really appreciate the crew, and uh, I think we, we're going places with some of the 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 crew dynamics that I think we we should go and um,
0: and for anybody. You know,
3: I'm, go ahead.
0: Oh, oh I was going to say, and for anybody out there, really go watch Lower Decks because.
3: Yeah, I'm backing on Lower Decks.
0: No, it's great. Um,
3: Lower Decks was made for fans of the show like you and I, and and I think that it's hard to uh, absorb and digest Lower Decks um, on the surface as a comedy show because it's ridiculous. It is. But then when you realize that none of the in-jokes are digestible without uh, uh, a deeply rooted appreciation slash hatred for Star Trek The Next Generation then um then it's like family guy well that's what they, I, that's I, what the
0: orville is great yeah, for right the yeah, orville like, is that I, catharsis yeah then you
3: then you then then you're basically just watching family guy within jokes for pop culture right yeah. the lower decks is family guy with all of the in jokes in pop culture being riffing on star trek between 1987 and 1999 yep
0: <laughs> like yep. there you go yep so. um what's your thought on the transporter paradox
3: are you alive or are you dead? Is that what you're uh, saying? Are you a, a copy of yourself or are you?
0: Is it is yourself? it actually you or not you that touches down on said planet or location of beaming? And oh, and would and would you transport yourself, you as you are?
3: Well, here's what I believe. If if on the surface, there's a machine that removes all molecular and atomic bonds in every atom in your body, then aren't you gone forever? Right. You're dead. Right? If I was to uh, uh, separate your head from your neck, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, you're you're dead. Can we agree on that?
0: 100%. Even
3: though... I could get a doctor to reassemble your head and your neck. Maybe get a pulse, you know, maybe somehow find a way to restart some autonomic functions. You're not yourself. Can we agree on that?
1: Oh, most definitely. Yeah.
3: And you are dead. Doing any action that causes a life form to cease being alive. No, by definition, kills them. So the paradox for me isn't about, like, is it the same person or is it not? To me, it's about, did you just bring this person back from the dead? And if you did, then what are the ramifications of that? Right? What are the ramifications of, I have this person who has suffered a grievous wound, right? Should I transport them and find a way to, to reassemble them, their atoms in a way that disregards that wound. Sure,
1: right?
3: you see in the uh, and there's a season two episode, uh, um, uh, a natural selection.
0: Yes, where, where he refuses to transport. Very,
3: yeah, so where you you see this miracle technological use of the transporter yeah. takes this person who is dying of a virus that ages their cells to geriatric age in, in, in the span of hours. And they most certainly would be dead, but by using the transporter, they technologically reverse the virus, the DNA, their cells to recreate the same person, but yet the younger version of them. Well, who's to say that they didn't make that person 40 years old again. They made them 22. Right. Right. If you can do that, if you can change the DNA of a life form to resemble something with a younger version of themselves, then then why can't you beam the 95 year old who's dying of of organ failure
0: back to 23
3: back to? Yeah. Yeah. And so so you've created that. So for me, that's the transporter paradox, right? Right. that it's not that it's not destroying you and creating a copy of you that, that, that it, it, if it truly does what it claims happens and that the, you is alive
0: is, and, and, and well, yeah,
3: then, then who's to say, like, what are the limits of that technology? Right. Well, And, y- and over the years, you see like these, these progressive, I'll say uses of the transporter in Star Trek to do things like suspend someone in animation, to travel someone through an interdimensional realm, to to uh, beam an entire crew off a ship, and yet store them as as data in in the in the holodeck.
0: Well, Darmok right. Darmok is that exact example where Picard is wanting to get beamed back, or or Riker and them on the bridge think they have a good lock on Picard, so they try to beam him back, but they don't have a good enough signal, so he's stuck mid beam mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the entire time when his his counterpart is being attacked by the the beast on the planet. And it's only when the beat the, 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 the transport fails that he comes back just in time to go and see his wounded friend there. Sure, and yeah. you know but that stasis really signifies, and when I was re-watching the episode, just because it's such it's a good episode, I was sitting there going, Wait, Picard on the planet is in halftime. Picard on the bridge of or on the transporter deck of the ship is in halftime.
3: Where is Picard?
0: Is he aging in both times right now? Is time what at what rate is time passing him by? If he is in half stasis there and half stasis here, he is half demolecularized and half remolecularized remolecular- here what and who and where is he in this time and i watched and,
3: that happen and yes. w- he you you must suspend some disbelief and then realize that he rematerializes or he de Of course of course but and then, and then he has, he has had passage of time he's aware that the transporting process has happened um, because you you see later in Star Trek that people are aware of the time it takes travel. Oh, that was a weird transport. That was a long transport. I'm in the transporter beam. I'm seeing things in the transporter beam. But of course, what what are what is seeing? Seeing is a uh, photons optical. hitting your optical. You're correct. Yeah. Yes, and, and and your retina processing an electrical impulse to your uh, your brain, which it, then um, this interprets it, what your what those photons are. There there's no light inside a data stream
0: especially if your optic nerves are demolecularized you have no optic <laughs> your nerves.
3: eyes are the same <laughs> atoms as yeah. your your tone i and
0: mean like caps yeah yeah
3: yeah so I, you know you're not you're not participating in the trance so
0: where do you, you stand you're
3: effectively null yeah so you're in one place or the other how well then how let's talk you... about thomas Riker. then i don't know how much time you have but oh, like please so if you can now tell me that is atoms of a person, so the mass of a person, right? Let's you weigh uh, you weigh two kilograms, right? So you're gonna you're gonna beam this person to the ship, and then reassemble all of their atoms, aka all of their mass, into a person. Now that's that's the premise that we're going with. Yes, but yet, but yet, what you're gonna do in this moment is attempt to beam this person, realize that it's not going well. So you're going to generate a second beam onto presumably the data stream, and somehow pull that data out. The viewers can't see what I'm doing, but I'm making some he's sort of he's grabbing his own
0: hand, like a hand a squid.
3: gesture to like make some sort of a a uh, 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 a representation of how you would beam the atoms out of a data stream, and then that works, right? So you're going to you're beaming now 100 percent of the atoms in that second beam onto the ship. Okay, bravo. But somehow there's still 100% of atoms that get rebeamed back to the planet. yeah, And therefore creating a what is in effect a duplicate human being with all of the memories, the feelings, the sensations, and the life of, of the person who is on the ship. So, So Correct. you have two people that used to be one. And those two people are the same people with the same mass and the same matter and the same energy. Now I'm, I'm asking rhetorically, where did that other person come from? Right. That so, so you, you kind of lost me there, Star Trek. And I'm with you all the way. I'm with you that this is a kind of a cool accident, but at the same point, I'm like, I thought your mass is your mass.
0: Well, no one would say that printing out a piece of paper in a scanner copier and then taking that one piece of paper re-scanning it and reprinting it a second time would those be the same copy
3: might look the same
0: they might even have the identical amount of ink on each page and the amount identical amount of fibers between each piece of paper sure but can you only take one of those and call that then two copies or can you take two of those and call them the same thing
3: you know, I, I would, I would. It's it's very it, obviously it's a very interesting philosophical like conversation, right? So the very first time a human being transports, right, um, is is the individual is you that materializes the same you, and, and maybe you are, maybe you're not, but your molecules are they in the same place? Are your atoms in the same place? I mean, well, I, an well, atom here's... of carbon is an atom of carbon, right? We know that, right? Correct. Um, same, yeah. yeah. So. So if we're disassembling your 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 carbon well and, and your oxygen and your and your your you know.
0: It is it is the repurposed ship paradox in in which if you were to take the the Santa Maria or any ship. known ship and replace one mast of that ship with a new piece of wood, but the rest of the ship is intact. One would still qualify as ship. Now you need a gangplank. Now you need a bow. Now, and how many pieces of that ship, one at a time, replaced before you would no longer call it the same ship?
3: It's the uh, it's your grandfather's axe. Yeah. Metaphor. You know, I got my grandfather's axe. It's still in the garage. I use it every day to chop wood. I've replaced the handle ten times, and I've had to replace the uh, the blade. Um, a couple times over the last few years too, but mm-hmm. it's my grandfather's act. It's the same axe he swung. Well, at some point you're, you're, you're talking about something that's different. And, and I think that that's probably the case for replicators and the same technology that makes replicators, right? Cause it, it takes this inert matter and it turns it into steak or to alcohol or boots. That was not that before. And now it is that now holodeck you see, Comparable technology making people who are have uh, flesh, body, bones, mass, matter, um, intelligence, and then they're gone. Like yeah. instantly, they're gone. Where, where where is that mass? I don't know. Uh, that thing that had mass is now um, back in the in the ship as energy. And if you imagine the technology that can that can matterize atoms and then dematterize those atoms back into energy, then you can imagine a transport. And if you had the technology that they have to assemble the atoms of a person into the same person, then it is you. If they really are taking your atoms up to the ship and rebuilding it, then it is you, right? They didn't leave right. anything down on the planet. They didn't take their matter stores, all their, you know, all the discarded boots and, and boxes and, and you know, insulation of the ship that no one was using, demecularize that and make it into you. No, no, no. They, they say that they take you. All right, so I will give you that it's you, but then I will just ask rhetorically: Who was that that beamed down to the planet when Riker was taken? Yes, right, and and how do you rationalize that that's the same Pulaski who beamed aboard this ship? Correct. At age fifty, when the ninety-year-old version who is dying of her is gone, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I don't. I mean, I I I, I, I right. hear the paradox, and I'll raise you. I'll give you five other examples of how the transporter is in inhumane.
0: Sure. So let me ask you that. And
3: and it has nothing to do with are you the same person you were when you beamed
0: up? For the love of the show, is is that the level of disbelief you're willing to weigh you're willing to raise? Like like are you are you willing and allowing yourself to forego that much? logic (laughs) into Mm. the show to enjoy the premise or do you get bound up on those sometimes and also i want you to answer would you ride in a teleporter would you teleport yourself you i mean if the technology was real you are matt you right now you're sitting in your room you have your kids in their respective route like would you teleport and
3: yeah so I mean, we're assuming that the teleportation is like Star Trek, right?
0: Everything we've just talked about yeah, is so, what I mean, it is. The answer
3: is. I would give is, is yes. I, I, I'm not afraid of teleporting. I, I do believe that the, the person who's on the pad at the end is the same person that was in this room. Because that's the disbelief, I suspect. Right? Because, okay. because to watch the show, you have, I to. have to believe yeah. that there's a thing called subspace. That with a special rock that you shoot energy into, it creates this explosion that you can harness that propels a gigantic vehicle into speeds faster than light to get to the next planet. Right, it'd be a really boring show if we didn't have the ability to do that. And it'd be right. an even boringer show if every time they had to go down to a planet, they had to get into a little auxiliary <laughs> spacecraft. And it would be a boring show if the only way to get around was on tiny little ships. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I will say, uh, I, 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 I will acknowledge that there's, there is subspace. There is, um, Uh, Matter compensators and Heisenberg decouplers. And I will acknowledge that there are things called deflector shields that both knock interstellar debris away and stop incoming particle weapons and and stop incoming things. And at the same time will not pass that energy through. But then if you want to pass your energy through to shoot that other ship, it will it'll let that happen because of reasons. I mean, there, there are there is technology that we have in 2021 that we would never, we did not have in 2000 that I would have had a real hard time explaining how it works. Mm. Solid state hard drives. Good call. Uh, A, a, um, a processor that fits in my iPhone that is faster than anything I'd ever seen in my Pentium pro.
0: How about quantum
3: computing? Yeah. So, so like there are things that I have in my home. Yeah. I can, I can talk right now to the computer that is sitting right over there and I can play a song that has been recorded since the dawn of time. Although in the year 2000, I would have had to have used my personal computer to go and search for a website that might have that song that also happens to have the ability to play that song on some sort of a internet audio player. And then I would have had to hook up some speakers, right? Yeah, yeah. I would have had to have the internet and I would have had to been using my phone line, and I wouldn't have had to been making a phone call at the exact same time. And if you'd have told me that that would have been the future, I'd have been like, "That's insane! I don't know how that works. How does right. it work that I can raise my voice? That sounds like Star Trek, right?" And yet, what do we have now? We have uh, portable computing devices that rival what they had on the original series, and every single you know person who has a, a smartphone has something like that in their pocket.
0: Oh yeah, no, that's that is a. Uh... That is an astute and relevant point, uh, not only to the suspension of disbelief for enjoying shows and escapism, but for also the recognition of anybody now trying to think that the advancements and the technological jumps we've made are what they are today. And going, yeah, but science gets it wrong now, so who do we trust? Sure. Sure. It's the same jump. We'll go. Yeah. Give us a year with the same science and we'll probably have a better answer than we have now. It's, it is that, isn't
3: it? So to answer your question, like what I teleport, the answer is yes. I mean, the premise, of course, the premise is sound that your atoms are your atoms. Like they're not recreating you from something else.
0: Carbon is carbon
3: building you. They're taking what you were and you're not there anymore. Right. And you're back here and, and you're you. So
0: Okay. Here's my question. Do you, have you ever thought
3: you accelerate to the speed of light, but you don't turn into grape jelly at the back of your starship? Yeah. Because, because the gravitational forces to accelerate someone to the speed of light in the span of like, what appears to be a second or two on the show would turn you into goop with the, the viscosity of, of like wet sand yeah. about a millimeter thick <laughs> and since there are 10 of you on the ship at that bridge at the exact same time then you're 10 millimeters thick and you're really gooey
1: yeah. now
3: so so if that's happening that you're alive after accelerating to the speed of light then i guess there's got to be some technology on that ship that can reconstitute a person well atoms and now is flesh and blood
0: i guess that's that is that is a great point that that is the fun part about being being enveloped in the universes of these shows is you you agree to certain axioms off the forefront that allow you to operate in a paradigm different from your own In which all things are equal within, but they they like you have to you have to just let yourself take a step that's uncomfortable in rational thought to then agree to an axiom that's irrational, and then from there on all all is gravy, right? It's it's it is a life worth and and it is a life worth living. It is a a thing worth getting meaning from. Um, yeah, it's worth it. You just have to make that first jump and and agree with everybody else also making that jump that this is what you're doing. So, fuck yeah, that's right. That that's right. The transporter. Let's let's beam beam up. Let's beam down. Let's let right. Let's do that.
3: I think that that's the what what most Star Trek fans especially Star Trek fans who are differentiable from Star Wars fans, right? Mm. Is that they'll, they, they gravitate towards the, the infinite optimism. Yes. That, the, that we can solve these problems mm. through cooperation, listening, um, and, and some, some knowledge and wisdom, right? Like, you know, stay in school, you know, navigate your way around this. Yeah. And then you know, your your Star Trek is popcorn or your Star Wars is popcorn, right? I mean you got your your the same story, you're you're being told in movies time and time again and and it's right. the same story. That's okay because you know what, i like me some laser swords and some spaceships and some 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 forced chokeholds. So mm. anyway, so that's my that's my two cents. I love
0: it. I love it. Okay, well, we're not gonna get into Star Wars because we are at now at three hours and it's going by Incredibly That's fast. Okay. So I know, I know. But we will, I think we just get back on another one. Maybe we bring uh-huh. in another person and we do a nice little chat about that universe. Um, I'll but, put on my
3: Star Wars hat and wax philosophical.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. Because I do have a lot of questions there, but I don't want to get into any of them because we just go too long. So let me go to question time. I now okay. have uh, just some generic questions. I have a hypothetical, and we're done, bro. You, you've been having fun? Has this been a good...
3: Yeah, I've had a good time, although I did run a, a whiskey down here. i have to go get some more.
0: Some um, point. Let's take a pause and go re-up and then answer Cap. some fun questions.
3: Yeah. So it's a little sweeter.
0: Ooh, brown sugar bourbon. That's what fantastic.
3: What is happening here?
0: I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I uh got hair implants recently
3: doesn't look anything like you it would need to be bill walton that's what i need to see
0: yeah i uh this is my bob ross get up i decided to uh end the it does
3: look like bob ross
0: yeah i decided to go with a, a a beautiful pretty uh conducive ending to this and so i was gonna you know happy trees
3: well i'm ready to finish up sir
0: by the way um and thank you incredibly hold on i gotta take this off this is horrible I feel much better now. I could actually hear the headphones were not on my ears correctly.
1: The- I,
3: think, I think people with afros would probably expect to have the similar problems, but that's a real problem. This is <laughs> yeah. your uh, yeah. Bob Ross wig problem. Correct.
0: Um. By the way, thanks for uh, – truly, thanks for hanging. This is in the history of our – Familial relationship. This is the longest conversation we've ever had.
3: Yeah, it was hard to have conversations on the basketball court, and it's hard to have conversations in a you know one hour um, dinner where we're basically also trying to catch up with your brother at the same time too.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I enjoy this more. Although we've had
3: we've had a, a Christmas or two, um, which also is invariably um, dominated by trying to catch up with other people as well.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, and just lots
3: and of even kids, kids underfoot
0: yes yes uh thanks for the time man truly um okay so this is a, a some would you rathers some uh n- you know just kind of uh yes or no questions first uh red or blue red okay nice uh hot or cold coffee uh,
3: no coffee
0: none at all Okay, interesting. So
3: I, it's not one of your choices, but I guess if I had cold coffee, I'd feel a lot better about dumping it out than if it was hot coffee.
0: <laughs> so no caffeine? You don't do it anymore?
3: That's not what I said. I said I don't drink coffee.
0: Ah, what? Uh, okay, what is your substitute? I, I black drink tea? black
3: tea like a fool.
0: Gotcha. So hot or cold tea? Do you iced tea or hot
3: tea? Iced tea. I drink way more iced tea than I drink hot tea. All
0: right. See, so so an iced guy. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. All right. So would you rather smile with only your bottom teeth or, I mean, forever, like every smile you get forever is bottom teeth only, or get a kind of bad boob job?
3: It's really difficult to answer that question because I don't think I would enjoy a bad boob job at all. No, so I'll kind take of bad, bad. Kind of bad. I, I don't think I would enjoy a kind of bad boob job at all so i will say i'll have a weird smile for the rest of my life
0: all right all right um would you rather have to wait oh okay would you rather run everywhere you have to go exhaustion is not an option just everywhere you go every step you take is a full run or shout every time you talk
3: run everywhere I go would be the way to go. I think that with my job I can do a lot of sitting and still communicate effectively but the second I start shouting it's going to make it difficult to take me seriously. I don't go out enough to make it weird to run but if I expect that if I was at a restaurant and was bolting to the bathroom people would really kind of understand what that was all about.
1: (laughs) Okay,
0: Uh, Would you rather lose all of your money and valuables or all of the pictures you've ever taken
3: i don't think that all that any picture I've ever taken was was so valuable and important to me I I mean I I guess if I had a, a, a enough time I could think about maybe a picture or two that I've taken that I would lose but since I don't know where they are they're effectively already lost to me sure so I'll keep in my valuables.
0: All right, all right. Yeah, that see that that is the point of questions like that is to figure out if if people are memory savers or collectible savers and
3: based on our first 40 minutes of our conversation well, sure. probably have asked
0: that about me. Well, I just didn't know if 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 images of memories were as important to you as products of them. I I it's that's it's it's that type of question, you know, just getting to know you better, man. Um, would you rather go to jail for something you never did, or get away with something horrible you did, but always live in fear of being caught?
3: Jail's not—I mean, jail sucks. Um, but if you're going to jail, jail, you're not going to be there more than a year, right? So let's say I gave up 364 days of my life to go to. Sucky jail jail. I would get out knowing that I'm a good person. I would not want to live the rest of my life.
0: Knowing you got than, away with something, yeah.
3: Knowing that I am not a good person.
0: Great answer. I that is the most distinct answer to that question we've gotten so far. And it's probably because of your your profession and background that you were able to reconcile <laughs> the the actual di- um, the, the actual dichotomy.
3: Don't do confinement well, and it yeah. doesn't matter if it's a jail cell or a prison cell or a closet or a cardboard box. So, so I will I will agree that the person who says I don't want to spend one minute in confinement, I would rather I would rather have a cancer eat at me for the rest of my life. I would say yeah, I get that. Well, at least you're free.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and maybe, depending on the person, uh, they may already be kind of living Here with that, right? Sure, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> would you rather have a voice that sounds like an electric guitar or hair that is constantly glowing like a Christmas tree?
3: um I'm a hat guy so' I'll, I'll go with hair that goes like a Christmas tree I don't know how many people who don't know me would know that my hair goes like a Christmas tree
0: <laughs> okay all right all is right. that
3: vanity I don't know you're
0: you're you're kind of you're kind of uh almost far too logical for this um ridiculousness of amount of questions I have okay Uh, would you rather have finger sized nipples or nipple sized fingers
3: definitely done this one before Um, I I would rather have finger sized nipples Um, I feel like that's an easier problem to deal with than basically not having fingers so
0: All right. right. well I'm uh, would you rather uh, fart every time you laugh or burp every time you cry
3: I'd rather burp every time I cry
0: How often do you cry?
3: Um, a lot less than I fart. A lot less than I laugh. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) I like that you said a lot less than you fart before you said a lot less than you laugh. (laughs) That tells me (laughs) so much. Oh, cause that's good shit. Uh, all right. Uh, would you rather have a ten-inch-long belly button that sways to music, or accordions for legs?
3: Like I said, I'll take the, I'll take the ten-inch belly button. I feel like that's an easier problem to deal with than having legs that don't seem to function like regular legs.
0: Oh, you can walk on them like crazy. They just sound like accordions.
3: I feel like a, a belly button that's really, really weird is an easier problem to deal with than legs Fair. that irritate every single human being I come around.
1: Fair.
2: All
0: right, we're going to move... It
3: bothers me, right? It'll bother me, but it's not going to bother them.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. All right, we're going to move to the hard part of the of, of the whole entire thing now, where I have this, this game called Hypotheticals, and it is 50 hypothetical questions... Uh, which I will pick a couple of random, and you will pick one of them. Uh, let's do this. And because I just got this, and uh, oh, there we go. All right. So here are the three hy- hypotheticals. It is called the Moon Fight, the Kidnapper, or Forever Seventy Five. Which one do you want?
3: I'll I'll take moon fight. All right, moon fight.
0: Here we go. A total stranger picks a fight with you in a bar. The stranger is exactly your size and weight. You've done nothing to this individual to warrant such animosity, but the stranger really wants to fight you. And to make matters weirder, the stranger wants to fight you on the moon. This is possible. You and the stranger will be transported... (laughs) Funny enough, we just talked about transporter. You and the stranger will be transported to the surface of the moon, outfitted in ultra-thin and very comfortable spacesuits, and rigged with lightweight oxygen tanks. You will then be expected to fight for three 10-minute rounds. Or no, sorry, I I read that wrong. Uh, You will then be expected to fight for ten minute rounds. You can't use weapons. There are no rules, and you cannot quit, unless your opponent or you are knocked out. Do you accept the challenge? And if yes, what is your strategy?
3: Um, that is a very interesting question. It's it's difficult enough for me to imagine being so engrossed in an altercation in I believe you said a bar that would result in me even going outside to fight this gentleman who is likely six, three and 230 pounds. Um, that would, that it would make it so insanely difficult for me to imagine that, that that would actually be a thing that would happen, That that would be a, that would be a notch on my belt that I fought this dude at a bar who really wanted a piece of me. Yeah. To take that to the next level and say, no, we're not going to go fight in the bar alley. We're not going to go fight in the parking lot. We're not going to throw down right here. We're going to, we're going to go to the surface of the moon to have it out. Yeah. I, I, it's so uncharacteristic of me to not try to just talk to that guy about what is possibly going on, possibly have a drink with him possibly yes go outside but sit on the curb and figure out what's going on in his soul that to go to the moon and to engage in some sort of lunar combat insanity (laughs) i I, i'm gonna go with no there's no way i would participate in that activity having given the opportunity to do any literally anything else with this gentleman all right except for appear to be fight to the death
0: this agreed upon absurd question. Uh, I've never read these. I just got this for my birthday and I just randomly pick them and people, you know, were were you ever a fighter? Were you, have you ever been the, the guy? Did you have it in you? Were you at all angry or have you always been the person to want to talk and resolve and figure out the deepness of the issue Instead of just fisticuffs, were you a fighter?
3: Can it be neither? The answer is I've never been a fighter, and I've only in my adulthood become invested in peacemaking.
0: Okay, what? What? Even even as a young a young kid, you weren't ever a fighter. Have you ever gotten fights?
3: Basketball, football, scuffles aren't fights.
0: No, of course, of course. I think
3: anyone who anyone who's ever played you know collision or contact sports knows that that you shove and you push that's not a fight
0: no, no, the no
3: fight is is when you you have a serious desire to maim yeah. the other person yeah, and to prevent yourself from being maimed and at no point in any scuffle I've ever been involved, I felt that I was at risk for being maimed,
2: ah. Ah,
3: and then maybe but, I was wearing a helmet, you know, like maybe I was wearing full pads.
0: But but you uh, so, so I
3: was on a basketball court, and there was referees and coaches who would absolutely have not let somebody else punch me. And if I had been punched, there is no way in heck I'm punching back. Interesting, because that person just be clowned of himself, right? So it's. Yeah.
0: So so um, even in college, even in hanging out and maybe a party you went to or nothing like that, you've never been in that situation where fighting came around?
3: Uh, maybe I'm just not that guy that, that starts fights.
0: Oh, no, no, of course. I, I've just. Yeah, I, I guess it's weird.
3: I guess I guess that there's there's certainly been opportunities for me to say, say it again. You know, there's definitely times that I've gotten in heated altercations. Sure,
0: sure. Okay, and okay. So, so imagined so when,
3: myself like wailing on this other person. But
0: when did the the want to resolve and understand conflict versus perpetuate? When did that actually come in to your life? Because you said it wasn't until college and, and adulthood.
3: Twenty six.
0: What what drove you there? The what drove maturity. you to resolution?
3: I think getting to know enough people who had been in enough fights and enough problems. I, I think getting to understand that there's there's a human being inside every single person who is yeah. looked down on in our society. Um,
0: Did you take? Psych- enough- Did you take psychology?
3: I've I've taken some psychology, but I don't think it's a it's or a, philosophy. Oh, uh, I I think I took a philosophy class in college, but I wouldn't say that I'm a. Philosopher, I would say that you meet enough people who are systemized, downtrodden, undesired, scapegoated, and um, ill, and and you realize that there's there's a story and there's a person underneath that skin, no matter who they are. Yeah, and if if there was a situation in which a person wanted to fight me um my my first assumption is is that i've i've wronged them and i need to figure out where they're coming from sure so to to take that to the level where we're gonna go fight on the moon or some nonsense like that yeah, yeah 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 is uh is is really in in a way disrespecting that
0: person of course of course of course so um
3: and i've definitely like interrupted i've definitely you know, been assertive with my words. I've definitely shouted down, um, individuals who, who had nothing positive to to say to me, but you know, the idea that I would, I would risk this person's liberty and health and my own liberty and health is, uh, is a foreign concept.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, so then that kind of actually just, you spawned another question in my head. Um, in my brain skull, where then did where what was the impetus f- for deriving meaning in that type of interaction? Because it seems that without Without actually giving a part of yourself to the interaction and making it personal, it's hard for one to empathize and uh, involve themselves in any given situation. So what went from a place of maybe benign, uh, motivated interaction to a place of uh, uh, ac- um, decisive interjection into a situation to understand. Like, how did you make a jump from... Because I, I find myself a lot in a place where maybe I'm frustrated with an interaction or... Uh, a response from a person or a mindset from a, an individual who um, is bigoted or or is 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 obviously uh, charged emotionally into a place of negativity where you would have to in- insert personally yourself into a situation to maybe make, make room where where did that come from where where did you find the impetus to be there in that situation
3: i mean it's it's a very deep question i i the best answer i can give is i'm not sure um i will say that that every lesson i've ever learned in life um didn't didn't come with a, a physical cost
0: but I emotional that, but emotional cost
3: yeah i think that you you run into that situation where you know loudmouth x is using bigoted speech or hate speech or disrespectful speech or sexist or misogynist and and, yeah. and you want to tap into that part of you that wants to teach that person a lesson yes well, i think that's something that's really important to harness right like i want to teach like and think about that that verb that That I, I want to educate this person and that that sort of fight or flight response is harnessable. Like the idea that you can give an assertive response that doesn't involve a bald fist or, or hurt or language that's designed to be hurtful or intimidating or insulting. No. And, and every one of us has that in us to sort of say, I am going to teach you your lesson. You, you believer. I am going to talk to you about what you just said. Like, I am going to impress upon you that you can continue to talk like that if you choose. But here's what I hear when you say that. Right. Or, or if you choose to use that language, then you choose to not be in a room with me. Yeah. Yeah. Or you choose to not have me in your home. Right. And to to be able to assert that and say that in a way that, that resonates and falls on, on ears to, to me reinforces that every lesson that I've ever learned in life.
0: Sure. So, so
3: around speech or actions or, or, or hurtful language or dialogue didn't come with a physical price. It came with that emotional gut chip, right? And so if I can pass that on to the next person, then I know that today my words can be more impactful than my ineffective fists.
0: Oh, okay. Beautiful. Did you always feel that you were that person?
3: No, because I, I think that for many years in my life, I was on the other end of the spectrum. I okay. was the person who was likely using speech that was hurtful i was likely the person who was othering well I wasn't isn't that
0: kind of the the th- isn't that kind of the rhetoric of huh, especially uh 90s team sports
3: <laughs> sure i think yeah i think when you're raised in a in a culture especially um white of privilege of means um r- rural Sis. you know rural the the idea that that the others of us were built differently or look differently or speak differently. Um, And then, and then for the first time, maybe in your life, you're exposed to those individuals outside of your comfort zone.
0: Is that a Darmok situation?
3: Sure. Maybe. And then, and then you realize that like the world is bigger than your bubble. Or an I am
0: Borg, right? I Borg.
3: There you go. So, so get, you know, and that's, and that's advice I would give to every, you know, 17 and 18 year old cis white male. Get out of your bubble. Do
0: no. you have, do you have a specific, cause I have one. So for me, my bubble breaking moment was, you know, I grew up in Alaska in a small town, mostly white people. Now, while we were not well to do by standards, we were definitely not we we were in the privilege of the society we grew up in yeah you know um that is for certain um and the first time i really experienced a bubble breaking moment of which you speak is you know i graduated high school had to move to well not had to chose to go to college in arizona downtown phoenix um, and lived in a suburb of Phoenix, which was predominantly Mexican, um, and realized very quickly that minority was a thing to experience, which I had never had before because, <laughs> honestly, you know, I had, in my high school, I had th- four people of... uh pacific islander descent in my town that we didn't know if they were black or white we didn't there there was there wasn't a there wasn't a distinction that was even talked about but that was in fact what i realized was the problem is that no one ever made a distinction for someone's heritage or class or anything and as soon as i was on the flip side of that living in a place where my car got broken into and stolen from and, and, you know, we, I, I I have been chased down the street by, uh, people who didn't like me because of being white, you know? And it, it was a shift in my mindset at that moment, having to be in a place where, I control wasn't even a word that was uttered or thought of. And it, it was a, I mean, you know, I don't want to trivialize, uh, I don't want to trivialize any person in it by comparing it and making a, you know, there is no justification to make, but, 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 in the context of talking about star trek and feeling feeling like you're not wrong because of your lived experience and then being confronted by a unadulterated lived experience that shows you you're wrong is one of those issues is one of those moments where you don't ever have a place to stand on saying but but I'm right here right and it's stark to think that there that a majority of people never experience that right you can live in a city that is expressive i mean even in portland you know i've i've now lived in portland for 8 years seven almost 8 years no actually yeah 8 8 years and um you know <laughs> all you have to do is drive 20 blocks and and what portland do you want to experience right what 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 form of lived life do you want to say you experience what what metric are you judging the rest of your your neighborhood by, or the neighborhood next to yours by, um, and where do you think you rightfully stand in morality? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. The point yet yeah, you need to get out and experience. Something that isn't where you grew up is definitely uh, crucial. I I agree with you. Um, But I also think that, I don't know, do you maybe agree that turning around that viewpoint back on itself and saying uh, maybe dig a little, instead of just having to experience something different, dig a little deeper onto what you first experienced and figure out why that was it
3: yeah i mean i don't know when my paradigm changed but i think understanding privilege makes a big difference
0: when was the first time you thought of that term
3: senior year maybe
0: of high school or college oh of college okay
3: um, you know, some some understanding that you know individuals like you and me are, may feel downtrodden, or we may feel, um, you know,
0: looked past. Looked past. Look
3: past. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, impoverished. Right, right. Maybe we're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, maybe we're we're eating a lot of rice and beans and ramen. Yeah, but to look at our experience objectively and see that yeah we're still on third base. Of course. And and if you have a roof over your head and you're living paycheck to paycheck, well then by definition you have a freaking paycheck, right? Yeah. And if you're if you're eating rice and beans, well then by definition you're eating. Right. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I wanna downplay individuals who are living in poverty. But I also want to say that like College poverty is not poverty.
1: You're in Europe, college.
3: You're you're already <laughs> yeah. in the upper echelon. Yeah, of the upper triangle. Yeah, of human beings. Agreed. So, so I think realizing privilege as opposed to taking it for granted. And I'm 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 not gonna lie. I took a lot of things for granted between age zero and twenty two.
0: Okay. Well, so if we're being you know on this level of discourse you thinking and in and would you say you senior you said senior year of college was kind of maybe the first time you internalized privilege
3: i think it was the first time that i also met people outside of my paradigm
0: yeah yeah it was what was what was what's hard for me to kind of rationalize from my own my own personal side is you know The first time you know, I was eighteen, the first time I had met someone out of outside of my paradigm with a distinctly different life than I had lived. Mm -hmm. But it, it the paradigm of where I grew up and the way I grew up I I probably didn't consider the term privilege as applicable to me. Until 2015. I mean, Mm. literally six years ago. I had already been here and lived in in Portland and was scraping by and, you know, literally living paycheck to paycheck, if not worse. And not even recognizing then. I I lived in a paradigm thinking and identifying as a small-town kid who had nothing. You know, like, not realizing... And never internalizing the moment of, oh wait, no, that nothing that I internalize compared to anybody else is still more than the majority of the planet and human beings. <laughs> and, you know, it, it is a stark realization that one has to face that by no unnecessary means of your own you can still oppress
2: Mm -hmm.
0: even if the only people around you are by all means look the same as you, you can still oppress those people.
1: Right.
3: Well, I, I'll agree with most things you just said. I I think I, I look at oppression, um, what I call the oppression hierarchy or the oppression, um, uh, power dynamic is, is you you actually by definition can't oppress individuals who are on your level. You can collude with them or ally with them in in engaging in oppressive acts and oppression. But you and I don't get to oppress each other.
0: Well, right.
3: So so we have to consider that 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 op- the oppression hierarchy. Is only one way. It's not lateral.
1: Okay, yeah.
3: Up, it's down, right? And so, and so, as soon as you realize that where you are on the the hierarchy, that's 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 the lot. That's your lot, right? That's 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 who you are. Whether or not you're, you know, like me, a privileged cis white. Um, hetero male, college educated, um, from a college educated family. By the way, I mean that's that's another kick, kick up, right? Right. You don't you don't get to you don't get to you don't get to punch down anymore. You, yeah. You can punch yeah. up all you want. Like there's there's another there's another group of people above me, and I I've, I've been doing some punching lately. You know, I I I, I don't find. That a lot of people who are more privileged than me understand a lot of their actions, correct? And and that's for punching, right? But you don't. You got to stop punching down. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. Start with your inclusive language, which is what other people see of you and hear of you and understand of you, and you can then continue that with listening, understanding, and appreciating. And then, if you want to dive even deeper. You can start immersing.
0: Well, so then isn't it the ego of humans in general that block the see block the viewpoint of self uh, immolation versus the, that, that step that is maybe only one step down that someone would say, oh, but maybe, I mean, it's, it's ego, right? At that point, it's, it's self-preservation and unjustified righteousness, Right.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't really have an answer to that question.
0: Okay. All right. Well, then in that case, thank you for at least hearing. Thank you for at least sitting through that part.
3: I think Um, I I think another thing to consider is that I I don't one of the the tenets of social justice, um, and social justice philosophy is that you have to say you don't know.
0: Well, the, there is no there. You can't get an is is from a not, right? Or you can't get yeah, so, an not
3: from an is. So, so I don't. The not having the answers is the first tentative truth, right? And so, no, the truth is, I don't, I don't know, and and I don't know what what next steps might be because there are, by definition, parts of me that are inherently racist. Yeah, there are parts yes. of me that are inherently sexist. Um, heteronormative and uh, and classes so so I have to acknowledge that and I have to be willing to hear that in my words and my actions and then and then when and if it's ever pointed out to freeze yeah yeah And, and then just to attack that which is unknown as an opportunity to to grow Uh,
0: man that that is the most poignant point that i absolutely echo is freezing first and going wait is it me you have to start with that if somebody says you're doing something you have to stop and freeze and be introspective before any deflection of uh, accountability at all period first and,
3: and what gets crazy is when you start thinking, "Uh, uh, no, nah, that's nah. ego.
0: That's no, ego. And that's ego, right no, there." No, no,
3: no, 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 that's not right. I, I know what I'm talking about. Yes. And then you have someone who's saying, "That's but, not your experience." You don't get to pretend that you know, right? Right. And so I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna out you. I'm gonna correct you. I'm going to put that back in your face or I'm going to say, you need to shut up about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And, and that's when you, need, you kind of need to shut up about that. Right. Now You have time to reflect, you have time to listen, you have time to introspect. Um, but in that moment, if you're, if you're participating in the impression. Yes. Because, you're, because something that you're doing has caused another person to say, ow, and that's when you learn. And I think that just the last couple of years have taught me more than I've I never learned.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. The and I le- learned
3: something every day. And I think that that's, I think that our, our culture has an opportunity to be in that learning place a lot more than our culture acknowledges.
0: Agreed. Yeah. And the paradigm shift that we saw in the last four years, five yeah. years, with where rhetoric and accountability comes from to where it's held has been the paradigm change. It's been a huge focal point of mine, um, in growing equality and, and helping the voices of the people that need equalizing the most to be heard. Um, it's, it's a passion of mine. I've grown a lot of, I've, 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 um, I've joined, not grown, joined a lot of, uh, movements you know in in person and financially that that are helping correct um correct that uneven paradigm of injustice and inequality and it's uh yeah it's i i just i push for push for absolute equality and it's I, 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 even though we didn't get into actually what you do and everything like that, I know that is your focus, man. And I, I want to thank you for your time, your energy spent, your, your dedication to the betterment of humans, human beings. Um, it is important, man. I, I, you know, and maybe next conversation, because we're going to definitely do another reason. We have a whole entire t- topic conversation we didn't touch. And I think that we can, Talk about social issues, specifically, and uh, fill a lot of time as well. Um, I That's end. Good, I I love it. I love you, and I end every episode now with um, poems. I like poetry. I, I also. Oh so yeah, go ahead. Um, so this one is another one by my uh, anonymous author Fitzhugh Willoughby. He. Just writes the best nonsensical rhymes, nonsensical poems. This one is called The Superficial Ideas of Mr. Brown, An Ode to John Doe. I really don't think all that often. It makes me hungry to imagine these things. In such a profound manner, electric foals, crawling in pudding, ever the glutton. Oh, there I go again. I think I'll sleep instead. I think. Poetry.
3: Yeah,
0: Matt, thank you, buddy. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for dedicating the time. Thanks for hanging out. And, uh, until next time drive, like, you know, each other. Cool.